Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode, a special episode of Spinning the Reel. I am your host, Evan. And I'm your host, Zach. And today we are talking all about the Oscars, um, the 2023 Oscars. Here. Yeah, this is our annual Oscars podcast. I, I, so, okay, so this is my... This is my first full time season as a host. I joined That's about, true. Halfway joined about through halfway last through last season, but I've been on almost every Oscars podcast, and I think almost every uh, Best of the Year podcast too. So you've been here for the special events. Yeah, yeah. And so this is our annual Oscars uh, podcast. We've done a little bit of coverage leading up to this, talking about some speculation and some short lists and the, that sort of thing. But today we're going all in. We are talking uh, every category. We're gonna give our predictions and our hope, our, our, yeah. our what hopeful we, winners. What we would yeah. want. What uh, you know, damn the Academy. This is what should be. That's the actual a sentiment choice. that is evergreen. Yes. Um. So what you're saying, Zach, is basically we are living in, you know, the multiverse, and and this is a different dimension <laughs> in which you are the full time host and Cody is the special event host. Yes. He is not here, unfortunately, with us today. But he does. He does say that he's going to get back into the swing of things pretty soon. So we're hoping. Uh, yeah, we're hoping to have him back right before, I guess, going into the to the actual Oscars um, to at least give us his his list, his predictions. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get him on uh, the record. Maybe one way talk. Or another. Maybe talk a couple movies. You think um, Cody was going to pick Tar for everything? I don't think anyone's picking Tar for everything. <laughs> I mean, Tar, excellent movie. It is. It's great. I, I so little 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 uh sneak preview i am surprised in how often i didn't pick tar in a category where it's really strong and even um yeah great movie but for as far as cody coming back uh we hope to see him uh because i mean the oscars are in 10 days so oh my god so soon that's why we're talking this now uh we're trying to get our predictions out there solidified um, we're gonna try to create our own uh, like Google document so that all you wonderful listeners can enter in. Yeah, and we've taken submissions the last two years. Um, I don't remember the winners off the top of our. Off the I, top don't, of my head. I don't. I yeah. don't either. Uh, but it's I think, always I, honestly. I think last year Cody won. <laughs> like genuinely, I think Cody's <laughs> Cody didn't watch most of the movies, but he uh, selected the winners. I thought he tied at a someone. higher rate. I thought he tied with someone, <laughs> and only one person got more than. I think you guys tied, and then one person got more than both of you. Maybe. Um. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, well, I mean, we'll have we'll have open submissions, um, like we usually do. Uh, we're really excited for this award season. I mean, we had a really good year in film. I think so. Yeah, I think, and I think they got a lot of the nominations not necessarily right there's no right or wrong necessarily especially with the academy it's not always going to be the best films of the year that get all the nominations but i think there were some pleasant surprises there were obviously some snubs we talked about this on the uh nominations episode yeah well i mean we'll do a little recap too we'll probably open with you know what's not here that we wish was and then we'll go right into going over each category brief discussion our picks and then uh you know wrapping up um uh action packed episode ladies and gentlemen that's right all right zach so let's get right into it you mentioned off the top uh we can start with some things that we were surprised aren't here some of our favorite movies that did not get recognized i'll just start off right off the bat after yang is a movie that i loved a lot my number two movie of the year not nominated in any category uh 
Colin Farrell getting a nomination for Banshees. I think he's better in After Yang, but I think he's great in Banshees. So, I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to be too upset about it. I deeply, deeply, deeply love After Yang. Um, if for some reason you're hearing this episode and you haven't listened to our, our top 10 episode, uh, we do talk about After Yang a bit extensively, given it that it was pretty high ranked mm-hmm. on our list. Um, Colin Farrell is excellent in it. I do think I give the edge to his Banshee's performance, but I mean, you can't deny how good that movie is. I think it just suffers a little bit from like early release syndrome where it came out in January, right? That That's when it got yeah, its actual release. Yeah, and it was a release. limited release and it, yeah. it ended up on, I think, Showtime and just it, yeah. was, it didn't Sh- feel Showtime, like a release. Showtime has like a, a streaming deal with A24, so... Uh, most of A24's library is available on, on Showtime Plus yeah. or whatever they're Which I think their... is working out some sort of deal with, I want to say, like Paramount or something. So that's going to be even more accessible for people at home. Watch After Yang. Yeah, you can watch uh, iCarly and then you can watch Good Time. Um, those go hand in hand. That's right. The excellent double feature that it yeah, is. Or even High Life, you know, the <laughs> everything you want all in one place. Have you seen High Life? Red Rocket. I mean... <laughs> I think you should watch High Life. Have you seen it? (laughs) I I love Robert Pattinson. It is on my list. That movie is, I think, not what you're expecting. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm fully aware that it is going to be horrifying. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's all family fun. Um, But yeah, after Yang, definitely. I mean, such a good, such a such a good film. Really, I, I don't. I honestly, it doesn't feel big enough. The, mm-hmm. the movie is so subtle and incredibly short. We talked about this yep. a little bit in, our, in the top 10 episode. It's, it comes in, it clocks in at like 96 minutes. There's so much happening in that 96 minutes, but it is a lot of it understated, quiet, meditative. Um, these sort of larger than life conversations between the characters. Definitely not like an Academy film. Sure. You know, something that I feel like if you're the average member maybe you're looking at your phone during that one um tragic really because after Yang is a beautiful movie but i i definitely agree i think my number one snub uh is probably decision to leave um yeah not an international not in directing not in editing which i think is just probably blows all the of the rest of the snub. movies out of yeah. the water in that category bigger snub than uh when uh spencer got snubbed from uh editing i think maybe i think the the movie the uh, editing and decision to leave is more integral to that movie than it is to spencer and i know that was your big uh you know your big rally that year this is an audio medium but <laughs> i am livid <laughs> at the mention of this um yeah decision to leave definitely a snub i don't know if it's bigger than spencer i i was genuinely upset that spencer didn't get any recognition whatsoever good movie one of the yes just a good movie on its own right like you know i think i gave that one probably four out of five as far as as far as the movie goes it's good love christian stewart in it we're talking about spencer in a year that it came out did not come out in but a movie that nobody thinks about except for you i love that movie okay and it is one of the best showcases of editing i've ever seen and i still think about it constantly um i've never made a fan cam but if i would ever make a fan cam it would be of of spencer 
Uh, Decision to Leave in a similar conversation for sure. The editing of Decision to Leave is so powerful. Um, And like you mentioned, integral to the story, like truly, truly a pillar of 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 the of the film mm-hmm. um really transporting movie doesn't you. work without the way that that's edited yeah it's really really transporting you into the shoes of of this sort of forlorn and and doomed detective um and and really really accentuates and uh even creates this the fairy tale like uh, mood yeah. and yeah an atmosphere of the movie that that makes it so powerful definitely definitely snub so I'll, I'll throw one more here, and I'm going to go with the whole category of international feature. So I have now seen the entire international feature category as of a couple days ago. We, um, Anna and I went and saw The Quiet Girl, and that was the last one. Actually, I think we saw Argentina in 1985 at home uh, after that. But anyway, regardless, see, seen all of it. And if I were to go through my list of movies from 2022 – and let me give you my top five international features. And I'm even just going to list um, the narrative ones, excluding the documentaries, because they never get nominated anyway, except for Flea last year. Uh, Hit the Road, not nominated. Decision to Leave, not nominated. Um, A Quiet Girl, or The Quiet Girl, not it was nominated. Um, Broker, not nominated. And then uh, Lingui, the Sacred, the Sacred Bonds, which was... Um, submitted but also not nominated so i think that it's always pretty subjective and there are so many submissions for international feature but i think the ones that did get nominated are on average again i think the quiet girl is incredible uh, significantly worse than uh some of the options that the academy had and i some of that is just you know bias for you know seeing a certain type of film or 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 whatnot but I think that was a category where there were a lot of really good options that went overlooked for, uh, you know, ones from the same countries or ones from, uh, like, that just followed a certain uh, archetype that maybe was more familiar for the Academy. And, and that's a little disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as intimate with the international submissions this year as you are. But I'll, I mean, I'll take your word on that. I have no no faith <laughs> in the academy to discern what's what's sort of the the best of the year among international features, especially. Yeah. Any other uh, things you want to point out before we go category by category? No, not really. I mean, maybe some memes, but not no, not, nothing we have to get into. Fair enough. So let's save the uh, the big above the line categories for the end as uh they generally do on the broadcast itself uh and otherwise i'm good you could go in alphabetical order uh yes so i guess that means we start with animated feature film animated feature film do you want to rattle off the nominees yeah uh this year's nominees in animated feature film are gimel del toro's pinocchio uh marcel the shell with shoes on puss in boots the last wish the sea beast and turning red okay so how do you want to start your pick or theirs uh let's start with the academy's picks i think okay and then we can that gives us a little bit of a platform to, to defend our picks on sure enough what do you think is going to win this category you know i think it's going to go to pinocchio 
I have I'm, this one. I'm very torn on because it's it's. I found a fool's errand to bet against Pixar in this category, but it does seem like Turning Red is not the favored film here. It, there's not a lot of buzz around no. Turning Red. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is the one I'm thinking, but then at the same time, Puss in Boots has just had such a. You know, what? I'm I'm calling it right now. I'm I'm doing an audible. I'm gonna call Puss in Boots the last wish as the academy as pick. the academy's pick okay for animated feature film i just feel like everybody's been talking about it lately it was a late release that everyone's seeing i i i i, I got a feeling about it it <laughs> god damn you okay it really it really <laughs> it is peaking at the right time i think you know it it has that december christmas edge mm-hmm. um it is you know dreamworks more of a family film than guillermo del toro's pinocchio i think i agree it, uh, guillermo del toro's pinocchio is a little bit more maybe not like highbrow isn't the word but like high concept yep not as entertaining for children for sure it is anti-fascist so that that has a lot of sway with the academy i feel like does it <laughs> i mean at least a certain swath of the academy yeah okay but also i don't know i i feel like i'm so i mean gilmore de toros pinocchio is my pick for the academy so i don't know why i'm arguing against this right now but i think <laughs> um i i think that it, that the argument could be made that puss in boots is going to take it here i mean it is dreamworks um puss in boots is, is one of the sort of more beloved characters in that mm-hmm. ip and it's such a good movie honestly i love that movie so much i don't even think so but like i do think that the the reception it's been getting so that makes it my pick i i hope that turning red wins i think that movie is excellent i and i have been a just a very outspoken proponent of guillermo del toro's pinocchio i think that movie is brilliant but turning red is my favorite animated movie of the year have you seen all of these yeah, yeah. Uh, sh- shout out to the sea beast for getting in there over Lightyear. a better movie than Lightyear. so <laughs> i mean yeah just about any animated film is is better than Lightyear. Um, is the CBS being the only one that I actually haven't seen? It's good. I mean, um, it's like it's not great, but it's good. It's yeah, on I mean, Netflix. It's Netflix. You could, you could catch it. Standard fare, I'm sure. I'm, I did make like a letterbox like catch up list, um, mm-hmm. which you know, ten days left. I'm probably not going to get to all of them, but it is on there. Yeah, I got five movies to watch, and we'll see. Um, Trying. Yeah. So I mean, so I think it's going to go to Pinocchio, but I feel like an argument could be made for for Puss in Boots. I don't think that's the worst pick. Um, maybe even like this might just be like the film Twitter brain poison in me, but I feel like Marcel maybe like I, I see a lot of love for Marcel online. Yeah. I didn't care for it that much. I, it did not resonate with me. Um, I thought it was fine. Yeah, that's exactly, that's the camp I'm in. I, I mean like it was charming it, enough, yes, but it charming wasn't is exactly the word yeah. I would go to as well, but also incredibly boring when it wasn't like emotional. If that and makes it sense. wasn't emotional much. It was. I mean, so much of that movie was exactly what the short on. I mean, you can call it a short. It's a YouTube video, right? Is what the original one was, mm-hmm. and most of what that is is like I'm Marcel the Shell, and you know, my skis are uh, popsicle sticks or whatever. You know, like that's yeah. the that's the whole bit, and like this is a slight movie. It's ninety minutes, if that. And most of the movie is just like, oh, yeah, here's what I use as, like, a a car, and it's a tennis ball or whatever. And that's, <laughs> like, that's most of the movie, and that's fine. The yeah. charm of the brevity is lost in making it a feature film. I, I think there is something there about, like, loss and about, you know, 
just living and and being optimistic in in the world but again a, a film i thought was fine yeah middling for me for sure all right your pick my but, pick's turning red i i would love turning red to win this category i'm surprised that it's not pinocchio so pinocchio is my second favorite animated film of of the year but turning red uh in our top 10 i think pinocchio was like my number 11 or 12 or something like that it was like just missed the cut but uh turning red's in my top five like i think this is one of pixar's best movies i think that they went away from like the i it's weird to say they went away from like the fantastical element of it because it's literally about a girl turning into a giant red panda (laughs) okay but i think that the stakes of this movie really hinge on a family relationship and it's it's beautiful it's one of, I think, the best narratives of the year, but then also just if you watch the animation of it, like the Pixar is operating on another level from, you know, any other studio that's at least doing 3D animation. Right. Um, I, I just think this movie is spectacular. Uh, yeah, I mean, I am not quite as big a fan of Turning Red as you, but I, I did enjoy that movie. I, I think um, I've been a... a pretty big proponent of it in terms of like pixar releases this year at least i wish that it had gotten the theatrical release over Lightyear. oh absolutely Lightyear was trash yeah that was a miscalculation um but uh i mean there's a good chance that you get that you get your wish here like you mentioned off the top it's hard to discount pixar in this category they've been very dominant disney's got the money too you know yeah they run the best campaigns yeah i mean as far as like you know movies as political campaigns they they have a lot of funding so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't count them out you you may very well see turning red take it away here i would love that but you know i don't think the support's there just in terms of uh if you look at the song category which we'll get to in a little bit um billy eilish and phineas and nowhere they, they to were, be seen yeah nowhere, <laughs> nowhere to, to be seen. seen even on the short list it didn't even get shortlisted yeah, which is so. pretty crazy because there's the, the whole thing is all original songs right like you have like three at least three four town songs which yeah could very well all be pop all songs in their own yeah, in their they're own all right wonderful. Yeah. they're all very Re- catchy release, release those four town songs right now <laughs> that's right and, you know they might four town go on board. tour yeah we'll, we'll be absolutely. there um but yeah, but I, I think just that that fact alone, like the other category where this really should have held some sway, uh, didn't come through. I, it makes me think that the academy is really pretty low on this, so I'm so, not I'm not confident yeah, about so it. So turning their back on it. Huh? Uh, let's jump over to cinematography. I'll give the nominees: All Quiet on the Western Front, Bardo, False Chronicles of a Handful of Truths. I think I don't know. It's, it's cut off here. Uh, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar uh academy pick what do you think i've got all quiet i also have all quiet i think it's just nominated in too many and this is going to be a recurring theme for me i'll just i'll just preview it uh this movie is nominated in too many categories for it to come away without some of the technical things because it's nominated in just every technical category yeah and i do think that you know it's a movie that is much more well loved than at least Bardo, Empire of Light, um, much more dependent on the cinematography as well. Yeah. Uh, war films too just tend to do well in that, mm, especially in, that in the technicals. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I think cinematography is and this going is, to be so. The case. And also, it's great cinematography. Yeah, no, there, that can't be not denied. <laughs> absolutely, uh, it is it is um, filmed excellently. Um, 
incredibly captivating in a lot of these scenes and so cinematic. We just did a deep dive on this movie um, last episode. Indeed. Um, which I thought was a really good conversation, especially about about this movie and, and uh, the parallels it had with, with the original. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm right there with you on, on the power of this in the technical categories. Especially, this is the second most nominated film tied with Banshees. Correct. Uh, only EEAO, Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, got more nominations. So, yeah, the no doubt this is walking away with with some of these and cinematography is not a bad bet um this yeah. is also just leading into this this is also my pick for i the Academy. same we're on the yeah. same page mm-hmm. i think that there is a chance if anything can top it empire of light just because it's a roger deacons, deacons yeah, joint deacons. and that's uh that holds some sway with the academy but i do i do think that this is all quiet on the western fronts uh, i gotta be honest or to lose i i don't think anyone's seen empire of light I feel I feel like no one's seen it. <laughs> like, the movie doesn't exist, basically. Yeah, I feel that like it's true. No one has seen it. No one is talking about it. And the 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 which is funny because Olivia Coleman, Sam Mendes, Roger Deakins, every like, it doesn't exist. Everything that I've read about Empire of Light has been essentially a critique of how misused the cast is, and how never want to hear that. How terribly written, I suppose it, it is like almost like um. Maybe tone deaf is is the right the the right description. Basically, it just seems like a like a blunder. Um, and ter- that and that's just what I've read. I haven't watched it myself. It's it is on my list, so I haven't made my own determination. But that seems to be the consensus. That yeah, that's it's on HBO. It's, it's a so misfire. We'll get around to it eventually. Yeah. It it seems like a misfire. Uh, any other cinematography thoughts? Um, I don't really. I have mean, any. is is qui- all quiet? Also, your pick. It is, yeah. Like it, for both Academy and your personal pick. Absolutely, yes. Okay, yeah. I, I have the same thing here too. Um, I actually really another one I really wish After Yang had been considered for because I think the cinematography in that movie oh, is like stunning. Uh, anyway, we we have to stop talking about After Yang, even well, though I could go on forever. But yes, we could do an entire two hour episode on After Yang. But anyway, so we're both going all quiet, both counts. Um, I'm excited though that Tara got in here because. Again, I don't think Tar is your traditional, like... So I guess to to contrast it, I'm kind of surprised Banshees of Inisharan didn't get in here because when you think about cinematography, a lot of times the movies that get included within it are the ones that have the big, beautiful vistas and... Yeah, the, like landscape you know, stuff. Yeah, and that's, and that's Banshees, and it got nominated in so many other categories... Um, but like tar is not the kind of thing you normally think of when you think of cinematography but i do think that it is impressively i think everything about that movie is pretty impressive um but yeah like i yeah and something i mean so i think something i mentioned in in a previous episode maybe in oscars one is like the way the academy works is you have a general voting body that when you actually go everything's been nominated already and we're going into the academy Mm -hmm. awards in a few days here the general voting body has access the to the entire ballot. The voting started today. Yeah, so yes. they, they have access to the entire ballot. Every category that we're talking about today, uh, your average Academy voter cast, a, cast their ballot towards towards that category. But leading up to that, it's the various guilds and mm-hmm. groups you know that are associated with a specific type of category, like editing, for example, would mm-hmm. be like the Editor's Guild, are the ones that push forward the nominations. They have, an, they have a primary vote. Uh, then those are settled as the nominated 
uh, films. Yes, the, and the then... different guilds, different categories, each have mm-hmm. their own group of voters that nominate. Yes, exactly. And so then, then Editors, all the nominations for some reason have no idea what good editing <laughs> is. <laughs> every that's year, that's not true. That's not. I would not are, say that's entirely are, true. Are you not entirely sure because they nominated? Uh, Elvis this year and they nominated um okay Elvis as horrific as the film itself is like the editing there is not the most editing it's not the best it is I would say it's over edited but it 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 does show a level of craftsmanship sure but uh they also nominated uh Bohemian Rhapsody in previous years they snubbed your beloved uh Spencer it's a bunch of political crap. We'll, we'll go there, but like I mean, that's you know, the, the academy. For yes, sure. but even so, uh, editors vote on editors, etc. Yep, uh, absolutely. And so then you have the general body that votes on everything. And so something like Tara clearing the bar is good, right? I mean, yeah, that shows that shows recognition among their their contemporaries that of that it is incredibly edited quality work. And I mean, Tara really cinematography. Is. Or I'm sorry, yeah. yes, yeah, I got caught up in editing, but yes, yeah, cinematography. Um, because yeah, there are a lot of again powerful shots in in something like Tar. It is. I mean, it's just. I just like, don't think it's enough. The, the slight cutaways to to. Um, I mean, even like, like the, Nina Haas's character as yeah. as there. They're just. It's very well done. It's very intentional. It's 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 good. Um, we we got to keep rolling along here. Costume design. You want to let us uh, know what's nominated? Sure. Uh, nominees for costume design: uh, Babylon. Hive, Rise Up, uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Miss Harris Goes to Paris. Can we just say, like, a great slate of nominees here yeah, in uh, costume? Like, pretty, pretty clear Miss Harris, right? <laughs> so, uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is, I think, a lock in this category. No If you're way. asking me. No I, way. I, I, that is my pick. I think Ruth Carter won for the first Black Panther, I want to say. Yeah, but... And, this movie even is a step up upon that. I think just even on the like the funeral scenes and like the costume, the intricacy of these different costumes that are created for that. I I think um, it's Black Panther: Wakanda Forever going away. And I like if I had to lock in any category, I'd probably lock in Best Supporting Actor. But this might be my second. Uh, You're that my confident? second comp- like most confident one. I I think. Yeah, I mean, they d- it did the first one did win. There are there, are, I guess I hadn't considered how many costume changes there were in this. I because I, I my my thing I'm I'm hung up on I guess between the first one and the second one is most of the first one um, takes place in Wakanda yep. itself, in which you have all of these like colorful and vibrant tribal costumes representing the different mm-hmm. you know factions of Wakanda. You which like, you get here too. You have like the river stuff, um, which to me, to me, seems like something we've seen before at this point. So kind yeah. of like that that initial uh, punch that that the first one carried. That was such a, a surprise and like you know so impactful. Feels a little bit muted now. Um, I guess the funeral stuff is really good. I mean, I I like this movie and I love uh, Talakan as well and like you know the sort of Mayan and Aztec inspired costumes that we get from there. But I feel like a lot of this one also takes place in like the regular world where we have like You telling me Valentina's costumes didn't do it for you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Also like Reby Williams, you know, is right. just a college student and you have a Koye in just like a regular suit and Shuri yeah. in like a hoodie. 
you know, I, I, I wasn't as impressed by the costume as I would think as I was in the first one. So I don't know if I would call it a lock. There is a lot maybe of of uh, strength that I hadn't considered in, in some of the more powerful scenes regarding like the, the funeral and some stuff at the end, I guess. But Right. I think yeah. the things that are going to last. So let me uh, just give you a brief aside, a little story for the podcast. So uh, my girlfriend and I were both sick uh, in consecutive weeks. Uh, about a month ago, and we went to the uh, to the urgent care down down the way. And uh, the first week when I was sick, we we went there, and they were playing um, Benji. They weren't playing; it wasn't the original Benji, but it was, it was like, like 2011 <laughs> Benji. Like. No, it was it was like some Benji movie where Benji gets like stuck on a uh, like he gets in a boat crash and he gets stuck on a deserted island. What? And he's dealing with wild animals. What? <laughs> and, okay. and so we're sitting there watching like rapturously this benji movie whatever and then we <laughs> go back the next week because my girlfriend is also sick and they're playing it was like the first day that wakanda forever was available on disney plus so we're sitting there in the waiting room this time watching wakanda forever and i it was it was the funeral scene while we were in the waiting room and i was just like wow the like this is the powerful part of the movie. This is the part of the movie people are gonna remember. And the costumes—I I mean, I wasn't thinking about the costumes in that moment, but like thinking back on it now, it's like, oh yeah, like those are very tailored for this moment. And I do think that's gonna be. Again, I think it's important that the costumes for this category are memorable, and not only memorable, but like the costumes themselves are impactful in the parts of the film that you remember. And I think that's the case with this movie. Like I think the costume work in Babylon is incredible. I think uh, recreating some of like Elvis's suits and Elvis is really impressive. I mean, everything everywhere all at once. I mean, what else can you say about Stephanie Sue's like costumes throughout the entire movie? That's my pick um, for the Academy. I think, yeah, like they're all, brilliant choices and i know you haven't seen mrs harris goes to paris but like the creation of a recreation of um i can't remember if it's like uh dior dresses or something um i don't know if they're recreations or if they're like original creations in the vein of them but like that's so critical to that movie i i don't know but anyway the whole category is great but i do think that like black panther is that movie that so that's your pick for the academy is my pick for the academy is black panther so you said your pick everything everywhere everywhere. no what was your academy pick that is my academy pick is everything everywhere okay i i think that uh um that they're gonna go everything everywhere at once the costumes so while the costumes in Black Panther might be more well designed and like cultural, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, I think the costumes in Everything Everywhere all at once are just more flashy. Yeah, uh, and I think that's gonna give lots it, of costume changes too. Yeah, that's gonna give it the edge here. Um, you mentioned uh, Stephanie Hsu. Yeah, absolutely. She has so many costume changes, and it's like all of this silliness, and then you have these montages of them fighting in different arenas and. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on there, and it is very flashy. I think I get, that's why I give it the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal pick is, is exactly the same. I love all of that shit, and especially, like, some of the costumes are just so fucking cool. Uh, like, there there's, like, a she has, like, a Elvis costume. She, has she like does. A, 
luchador costume, a flamenco she's got a, costume, a golf she's costume. Got, <laughs> yeah, she's got a golf <laughs> costume. Yeah, um, classic like Asian bingo lady costume. Yep. Um, she's got this like weird like uh, Picasso sort of, but like Asian style, like Asian inspired Picasso, where like she has like the makeup is like one like winking eye, and yeah. then one is like a half of a almost clown. like a dolly kind of thing. Yeah, right? half like a, cl- a clown face. I'm sure that that is inspired by something else that's not Picasso or some maybe yeah. so, something else, right? But that 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 costume, but even that's just particularly like the stuff at the bagel, like in the that, but that exactly yeah. that's when that costume is when it's like the emotional climax of the film. She's literally. I, I want to say that Michelle Yeoh has actually punched her in the face, and that's the costume that she's changed into as a reaction to that. Yeah. And she's walking into oblivion. And it's no, no, whole... I mean even like the uh, the part where they're in like that temple with the with the bagel, oh okay like yeah you know the, like which the... that scene is actually more hairstyling for her character. I mean the costume is important there too, but it's it's mm. actually more hairstyling and makeup for Stephanie Sue's character. So I mean she's also got this like f- like incredible like white like gown. Yes. Um that in, is true. in addition to the hairstyling and makeup which are most of that I think, but yeah. Uh, I mean you also have the the acolytes as well that are mm-hmm. in costume plus Michelle Yeoh goes into this like weird like has all of burlap her sack, yeah. yeah, too. Um yeah, I think this one is just it's so flashy and fun and silly and also, you know, impactful in some moments that I I, I yeah. It, it it can't be ignored, and, I and think, that's your personal pick too. Yeah, I think I think that this is who I would give it to, and I think that the academy is not is not going to disagree on this one. Yeah, so I think uh, that's a good choice, just in the sense that um, that movie has such strong support. We've seen across the board; it's winning at almost every guild awards. Um, just everyone loves everything everywhere all at once which is kind of surprising because it doesn't feel like the kind of movie that like the old school academy members would go for but i think that just across the board you're seeing the support for it and i wouldn't be surprised to see that and i actually do think the uh costume work there is probably the strongest of any of the nominees but i'm gonna go for my personal favorite being mrs harris goes to paris only because like <laughs> that movie is so charming and okay. like so dependent on this woman just greatly desiring a, a dress that has been created by this movie um and it's wonderful it's just such if you get the chance to watch that movie even just beyond the costume design nomination it is i think it's on peacock it is just the most delightful film um one of those classic movies that just says like the only thing on its mind is like be nice to people and be good to people and people will be good to you and that is uh one of my favorite genres of film is just like people being nice to each other and that is what this movie is um and i just wanted to give it a shout out i i love mrs harris goes to paris uh watch it um we're gonna skip over directing uh, because that is uh, one of the above-the-line categories, and we'll come back to it in a minute. Documentary feature. Zach, uh, how many of these movies have you seen? All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny? Uh, I've seen one. And that is Fire of Love. That Yep, that is it. Uh, I have, so I have Navalny. Um, actually, like download i think this is it's on, on hbo i think yes yeah uh it is on my watch list um haven't gotten around to it yet uh as well as all the 
Cutie and Bloodshed. I think that's also an HBO, is it not? Or I that's all that so. breathes. No. That that's all. All that breathes, that breathes is which yes. I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I've seen all that breathes, Fire of Love, and Navalny. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is available to rent now, and I think A House Made of Splinters is playing in like limited release. Um, what do you think's gonna win here? I so I this is both the Academy and my personal pick, and it's also the only one I've seen. But Fire <laughs> of Love, I don't think you. I cannot imagine something else like better than that this year in the, in this category. I mean, I could be wrong. You know, there's a ton of compelling and interesting mm-hmm. subjects and things that need light shed on them that, you know, I, I'm not even aware of what any of these are. These other nominees are about off the top of my head, but fire of love made my top 10 this year. Um, is being adapted to a narrative feature apparently ridiculously who cares um, that seems insane is just <laughs> i mean it is an incredibly crafted film that tells this wonderful True. story and it's it's captivating i i, I it's was practically a narrative of its own yeah truly and i was moved by it and this is you know this is on Disney Plus, so it's incredibly accessible. That's fair. Uh, produced by National Geographic, you know, one of the strongest in the game as far Which as Which has gotten an Oscar win for uh, Free Solo. So yeah, I mean, the, the yeah. campaign's there. They they are just one of I mean one of the the largest and most prolific producers of of documentaries in the world, right? And mostly nature stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And this sort of falls in that category in terms of like a geology and and um volcanology yep uh so yeah definitely can't count them out so it i think it's got a lot of stuff going for it and uh i hope to see it take take the win here so that's both for you right yes that that, that is uh both. yeah so i've seen all that breathes fire of love and navalny uh i have a hard time picking one of the two that i haven't seen um partly on uh i guess accessibility metrics i guess but at the same time, I've seen a lot of, I, I guess, the case for the two that I haven't seen. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed uh, has gotten very, very positive critical response. And so that doesn't always matter for the Academy. But, you know, when that happens, sometimes it means that the, uh, like, it's just a good movie. Sometimes it just means it's a good movie. And, uh, I do think that it is very culturally relevant in this moment because that is a movie about Nan Golden, um, who was an artist turned activist against the Sackler family, who has like been integral in the is that the opioid yeah in yeah. in like spurring the opioid crisis. Uh, so again, I wouldn't count that out. And then a house made of splinters, the other one that I haven't seen, is about um, a. I guess what would you call it um an orphanage i think in ukraine at the start of, of the, the war the war yeah. so i mean again just cultural relevance definitely wouldn't count it out the movies i've seen i think uh navalny has a real good shot at this i think my pick for the academy is navalny and the reason is because obviously it's culturally relevant today as well with the ukraine war like anti-Putin sentiment is about as high as it can get, you know, as the voting begins today. Um, I, I mean, as it should be. But Navalny is his, like, chief political rival. And then the other thing about this movie is there is a pivotal scene in this movie where, I won't spoil it on the podcast, 
something insane happens that you like don't expect and that is genuinely jaw-dropping and i think that kind of shock and awe is not something that you get all the time out of any film let alone a documentary um and i do think that that sort of colors the way that people have been viewing this film uh in terms of its its like highlight moment so i'm gonna go with navalny as the movie that the academy is going to fall for my personal favorite pick also fire of love for all the reasons that you said all right i mean we'll see i do i am hoping to watch uh at least all that breeze and navalny uh leading up in in these 10 days leading all that breeze the, is beautiful um to the ceremony so we'll see maybe i'll, I'll feel differently on the day but uh all that breeze uh climbed up to 14 on my list nice which yeah. was not something i'd seen when we we did our whole list where did puss in boots land much lower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Living up to the legend, got though. Documentary short subject. Um, we neither of us have seen any of these. No, you want to list them off? No, I was so close to do to watching this because this has been playing. Um, uh, it, there's a theater chain here in in Southern California called Lamley. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a couple theaters around here. Uh, like I want to say three in in the greater Los Angeles area and then uh, two down here by where we actually reside um, documentary. So the, the, if you listen to our last episode, I went in depth on the shorts of the animated category and the live action documentary being the only ones I didn't catch, uh, but it was playing at this theater chain. Um, today was the last day, but ah. it was literally in the middle of the day. It was like 12:50 showtime. So there's no yeah, way I was going to make it today. Tough. Uh, I wish I had made it to to one of the theaters to to catch all of these. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go over next them. next season. Let's all try to go together and see all. Yeah, because it was another showcase put on by the same company, Shorts TV. Just there was no way I could have gotten. Yeah, to it. I, and I do think these are still available in some capacity. Like there is a way to access the Shorts program. I'm yeah, not, I'm, not I'm entirely sure. I'm we, not sure. I mean, on on Shorts TV, it's like a subscription model, but I don't know if they have packages for for the uh, the showcases like viewing at home or online yeah. or something. Um, would have to look into that. So let's take a guess. The you want to run off the the yeah first? sure I'll go into that. So documentary short subject. Uh, we have the Elephant Whispers. Um, how loot? I want to say haul out is what it sounds. It seems like yeah right? haul out yeah. Is that um, a you or no? I can't. I, I mean, can't it, tell. It's, that's a you, right? Yes, haul out, yeah, yeah. Haul, haul out, halut. I don't know. It could wherever it's from. Uh, how do you measure a year? Uh, the Martha, the Martha Mitchell effect, and Stranger at the Gate. I chose how do you measure a year because it sounded cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I would pick Elephant Whisperers, maybe because that also sounds cool. Uh, I have a big question mark over all five of these on my ballot. <laughs> I just don't yeah. know. No, I, I'm not going to pick my personal favorite because I have not seen them. But Yeah, I, I'm not sure. This is the one category where I haven't seen anything in it. Um, so I will, I'm hoping to look more into it, but, I, yeah, I just don't know. Uh, okay, so let's just jump right over to film editing. Uh, films nominated, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Zach, what do you think? I so uh, for my Academy pick, I have Top Gun. I think it's the most populous pick, in my opinion. Um, and I don't know. Oh, I disagree. I don't know if I if I trust the Academy. 
So I think if you're going off of the most populous pick, I think at this point it's very clear that everything everywhere all at once is the populous pick for any category, right? Um, I don't think it's going to win. I think Elvis. I, I'm picking Elvis because... It's so vile and they picked Bohemian Rhapsody. You're, they picked Bohemian Rhapsody. Bad taste but, in your mouth. But okay, Bohemian Rhapsody is terrible editing. We all know this, right? We've all seen the clips. Uh, we've, we've all seen all of it, right? I've never seen a single second of Bohemian Rhapsody. You've never and seen I've, that, that video it, that went around? of Every the, uh, time it comes on screen, I close my eyes. You've never seen that video of editing in Bohemian Rhapsody. It's... I don't know. Nuts. Did you retweet it once? Maybe I don't know. It, it, you have to see it. It's it's crazy. I, I shan't. It, it's an Oscar winner for uh, editing, <laughs> and and the way it's I mean, edited is like if a child was. It was like also nominated pressing for, random buttons. It was also nominated for best picture, right? Uh, mistakenly, but anyway, the, famously, <laughs> yes. The, the point is, <laughs> you're right that the uh, editing branch nominates the films and then the broader academy votes on it and i think the broader academy does not understand what good editing and bad editing is so they just choose the most editing and elvis is the movie that has the most editing so that's your pick for the academy so my pick for the academy is elvis and your pick was uh, was top Gun. gun yeah yeah i think if you're thinking of like what could be the most disappointing pick here probably elvis um the, I don't even mean this Elvis most is, disappointing. Like, it would be an, the most disappointing. Elvis is such an anomaly. I think there there are some elements of that movie that I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. particularly like Elvis's initial performance, where you know that was the day. Uh, what is what's his name died and Elvis was born or whatever. <laughs> Fuck you, you're Tom talking Hanks. about the Colonel yes. Tom Parker actually. Yes. But I mean that that initial performance and the way that that's edited is it is a lot of fucking fun. Um, there's also the moment where uh, the colonel's like on his fucking deathbed in the casino. I don't know, man. The the there are some. I mean, who who could forget the who could forget the, the when uh, the the young guy driving in from town pulls up in the truck blasting Elvis, and this is like the the twentieth time he's white. Yeah, that's yeah. so explain. Okay, but what you're not getting in that he's white rendition is that there's a fucking dolly zoom on colonel tom parker's <laughs> face like dude. from a it's medium nuts. from like a medium to a close-up like the classic like scooby-doo like huh and he, he's white like it's just beautiful wow Incre- <laughs> incredible film just ridiculous yeah, so El- um, El- elvis definitely would be the most disappointing here i mean El- uh, everything <laughs> everywhere all at once is my personal pick so that's what i have personally yeah yeah, I, I agree. I think everything, everywhere, all at once is actually a master class of editing, cutting together these different timelines and things like that I to think, make yeah, it coherent think, and to make it emotional exactly, in those different yes, ways. That, like that is what I was going to touch on. Is like so much of that does belong to uh, to Michelle Yeoh, to Stephanie Su, to Ki Hae Kwan. Um, all of that, like the the performances, I think are the most emotional part of that movie. But at the same time, I think to make this sort of ridiculous up in the air kind of movie come together in the way that it does, it requires a very delicate touch on the editing table. And and this movie definitely has it. Oh, yeah. There's so much finesse. And I think this is why it's my my pick. Um, 
in what what an average film or you know um, and when i say average i don't mean necessarily like bad or mediocre i'm just mm-hmm. saying in a typical movie there's a lot less editing in in the finale and in your in your final like big set piece um there's there's a lot less uh jump cuts to completely different points in time and something like this where that's what the whole movie is is jump cuts to different points in time um little flashes to other universes where we're pulling uh skill sets from or we need some little interpretation of this moment or why humans have hot dog fingers instead of regular hands like there are just there are a lot of moments like that where you know could have been poorly edited but really tie the whole story together and, yes. and enhance it so this whole movie is a high wire act and i think that editing is a huge part of why it's able to stay on that wire from the start to the finish all right so your academy pick top gun, top gun mine yeah. elvis um both of us are everything everywhere for what deserves to win uh international feature film all quiet on the western front argentina 1985 uh close eo and the quiet girl so i take it the only international feature film you've seen so far is all quiet on the western front tragically yes but they're and all so on that's my your list pick for both also yes <laughs> but we've had this conversation leading up to this to this episode um and maybe a little bit of a, a spoiler for our listeners if you're not um uh, on the pulse of what's been nominated for best picture but all quiet is nominated for best picture and very rarely right. does the Academy split the difference here. Uh, Never, I, I think, has it. Because I don't think there's – an international film has been nominated for Best Picture three or four times. times yeah. And every time it's won international feature as well. So I th- this would be, you know, picking against an avalanche in this case to pick against All Quiet. I mean, if we've Academy. learned anything from 80 for Brady – it's that the long shot is always there. <laughs> okay. I mean, do we have they're, they're, Jane okay. Fonda hold on, hold on. talking hold on. to the Academy I, of Voters okay. hold on. over a headset? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> that was not Jane Fonda. That was Lily Tomlin oh, talking fuck, to Brady right. first. Tomlin, but yeah. also yes. the person <laughs> who outplayed the Patriots was Sally Field with her mathematical. You're correct. All of this is correct. But yes. Sally Field... <laughs> Just won a, a SAG award. I don't know an honorary yeah. SAG award. Statistically, um, all quiet's the lock in. Yeah, but it, I just it's the lock. you know a quick tangent for the listeners. Again, this is an audio format. Uh, I I wish to convey to you the absolute grimace my co-host <laughs> displayed when I mentioned eighty for Brady because he's a his uh, his beloved Falcons. You know, um, I already had to relive this with yeah. 80 for Brady. We don't need to go through it again. It just the color drains from his face. I could not. I wish I. There's could not know. much color in my face to begin with. It. You know, I am very, very <laughs> pale for the people that don't know. <laughs> but oh, it does. Incredible. Um, international feature film. So, the first thing I'll say about this category before even getting into picks is saying that generally, year over year, this isn't true of every year. I think actually. The movies that were nominated this year are slightly weaker on average than most years. Uh, And most years, the best films that are nominated in any category for the Oscars are going to be nominated in international feature film. And that's just because countries are picking the best movies 
Um, that branch is supposedly picking the best of those submissions. Um, doesn't always happen, obviously. Uh, but like, if you want to watch really genuinely great movies that are not just like popular, watch the international film selection because you're going to see a lot of movies that are pretty excellent. I'm going on, I think, three or four years now of watching either every Oscar-nominated film overall, um, feature film at least, but at least in the international category, I'm going on three or four years of seeing them all, and usually they're all pretty fantastic. Well, la- last year was Drive My Car, right? Yes, yeah, and Drive My Car also got a Best Picture nomination, so uh, in the same vein. So All Quiet on the Western Front, I think you can lock it in. Best Picture nomination, that is the film to beat here. I do wonder, though, if because that was a film that was on Netflix and, you know, released in U.S. theaters relatively early, it was more widely seen that uh, maybe as some of these other films are seen more, they could get uh, some later recognition. For me, the the film, again, I obviously haven't seen all of these. If you have to watch one of the films in international feature, The Quiet Girl, just devastating beautiful a portrait of family and childhood it's really really incredible and i think uh everyone would do well to watch this movie it is in very very limited release in theaters right now i think I that's don't a, think it's available at home i think that's the biggest problem for a lot of these movies is just accessibility the you know um maybe some of them are available on vod but you, you know you have to rent that um so yeah i think accessibility is a bit of the biggest uh limiting factor here all of these movies have been on my list for a while yeah. i just have not had the opportunity to see them yet close is in relatively wide release argentina 1985 is on yeah Amazon that, that Prime. one is probably the mo- the second most successful EO got a somewhat uh significant release like that this was a movie so, i was able to see in theaters when it first released right but you're also the host of a movie podcast and you keep your eye on that sort of thing yes but, but also about, this like, movie was playing like again i don't live in la or new york you know like where these movies play in very limited release to get their uh qualifications and eo did play at a theater five minutes from my house um and that's, this is also the Lamley that we mentioned earlier. Right? It is the Lamley, yeah. yeah, that's true. And that that is like not a big theater chain, so EO was not playing there. Yeah, a little bit more art house. And again, the Quiet Girl a movie I just saw last weekend for the first time is playing for like two weeks at one theater in LA and nowhere else within a hundred miles. So like these are not movies that are widely accessible, unfortunately. And part of that is because you know, and this is maybe a topic for a different podcast. Um, actually a topic for this podcast on a different day, but like this is, these are, are, are issues with independent cinema and, and the fact that they haven't been able to draw the kind of crowd, uh, to expand their access. And, and I think that's disappointing, but as it is, I think all quiet on the Western front is the Academy pick. I think if I could recommend any one of these movies to anybody, the quiet girl, so One of the best movies. Quiet the Girl is your personal choice, then. It is, and and I will uh, underline it by saying that if we were uh, redoing the top ten, it probably wouldn't have made my top ten. 
but it would have just missed. It would have been yeah, like it would have been the honorable mention. It would have been in the honorable mentions. Yeah, that, that again, that's probably the biggest problem with these features is just accessibility at the moment. Uh, it, it, let's say that you know a couple of these had theatrical runs. I mean, we we don't live in Los Angeles, you know, or even necessarily the greater Los Angeles area, but uh, we live pretty close. Yeah. And if we're on the lookout for something, you know, like an international feature or something's got a little bit of buzz, it's, it's a, it, you know, it might be a hurdle on a weekday or we might have to carve some time out on a weekend. We can, we can make that stretch to get there. But if you're just a regular viewer and you are someone maybe who's, you know, just sees these Oscar nominations and are thinking, are looking at the international feature list and you're seeing these movies and you're like, oh, can I watch these? No. The answer's no. No, you can't. No. And it sucks because yeah. you, you know, like I'm excited to see Creed three, you know, this uh this coming weekend. And it's playing, you know, every half hour at every movie theater within, you know, twenty miles of here. But it, it would be interesting if we could just, you know, like in this hypothetical utopian society, like if we could get one of those, you know, instead of you know creed or ant-man or whatever playing it seven seven thirty eight eight thirty you know if that seven thirty showtime could go to like you know an international feature and give like people that want to see something different like an opportunity to see it right like that would be great because those other movies are going to show for weeks and weeks and weeks at many many showtimes and i understand the business of these theaters is to you know fill the seats and play the movies that people want to see but i i do think that there's an appetite for it's so it's so interesting because i mean it's a conversation we've had a few times on the show where the the streaming versus theater model this year's movies that are nominated in that category are definitely um more in that sort of personal category and uh not necessarily looking for oscar nominations not necessarily looking to make a ton of money at the box office so um check them out if if you get the chance uh yeah the international categories i mean been one of my favorites the last couple years i mean and it it is every year i mean i mean i mean this year we've got a couple good ones i mean all quiet's really good right um and everything you've seen you've kind of given me the rundown lowest rated film i have on here is i think three and a half yeah so um, last year was was drive my car, which was Excellent. incredible. Year before that, we had you know, I mean, drive, we had drive my car last year, and we had Teton. Like, I mean, uh, Teton. Yeah. Oh, what a film! What a film oh, in the God. legacy of this podcast. Yes. Uh, all right, we we got to move on. Zach. All right, let's we, do it. we we are we're lagging here. Uh, makeup and hairstyling. Go ahead. Okay, so all quiet on the Western Front. Yep. The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. Interesting. Uh, I'm going with The Whale as the Academy pick, just because, like, I do like I watched. That's a, what I have to. I watched a video today about like the four hour process of makeup that uh, Brendan Fraser went through for that, and it's like, yeah, that's the kind of thing that, like, if we acknowledge that. The acting category is highly influenced by. That's exactly you know, that was exactly my reasoning. Yeah, but and, I mean, a little bit of a spoiler for the best actor category, but yeah, I think this is a lock for the whale. I I do as well. What's your personal pick? 
I went with Black Panther Wakanda forever. I think that like some of the things that they're doing with um, like I, again, uh, throwing back to the the first Black Panther, but this one as well. I do just think that like the hairstyling, especially, but like the makeup and hairstyling altogether in that movie is uh, is pretty impressive. I'm no expert on any of this, so it, that's just something that like it stood out to me, and I, I imagine that a lot of the Academy is not expert in these subjects so that's what i have too actually black panther um my true 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 in my heart would be babylon but it's not in this category unfortunately i don't know if the makeup and hairstyling so much in that movie is like i know i just just, it's babylon babylon hive they made diego calvo look old and then they made him cry so that they did. They made Toby <laughs> Maguire look like a crackhead. Or that maybe is, they oh, did it. That, Who knows? That's just him showing up on <laughs> that's set. That's just how yeah. he looks now. My God, that sequence is horrifying. Yeah, it is so harrowing. Oh, man. That's another podcast, too. All right. Uh, that was a quick one. Uh, music, original score. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans. Um, man, this is tough. you asked me tough. to like give you a rundown of the score of any of these movies. I the only one I could do is Babylon, and the only reason I could do it was it's Babylon. A lot of it's from La La Land. It's because it's the exact same thing as La La Land yeah. and First Man. It's just like yeah. all of those ones are just remixed in different ways. That is why that is both my pick for the Academy and my personal pick. Um, I think that, uh. Something like All Quiet, I, I don't know if the score stands out that much. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're so focused on the visuals that the sound – I mean, we can talk about sound design and mixing in in a yeah. future category, but as far as the score, something like All Quiet is a bit overshadowed by what else is going Absolutely. on. Um, same with Banshees, I think, too. The, the score is really subtle. It's just a couple of, like, notes here and there. Uh, under you know scoring different scenes but mm-hmm. the what you're really looking at is the actors and and the performances they're giving because there's just so much there the depth of those performances um everything everywhere all at once while scored nicely yes i would say this you know it's I, not I, a highlight yeah exactly again there's just so much more going on on the screen the same as all quiet right the the visual feast that is happening completely overshadows the score uh and then fablements which is one that i suppose is is contesting my pick here um because again it's it's present enough right Mm -hmm. the the emotional impact that you're expected to to feel in a given scene is not only where the camera is placed and what the character is feeling at the time, but the music does help. The music is there; it's sure. present, and you feel it. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's a couple of dancing scenes that there there's enough where the music is is uh, intertwined, where I feel like the score is noticeable. Yeah. Um, but again, doubling down on Babylon for both. I yeah. want to see Babylon win something. It's the most magical place on on Earth, um, Hollywood. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, just the jazzy beat of it all, the drums and you know, uh, Damien Chazelle chaos. loves his jazziness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is my Academy pick, and the reason for that is going to be, for me, 
that I think this movie is just beloved by the Academy. Like, I think that most branches love this movie. And if they're anything like us, where we're not super keyed into the scores of the year, you know, um, they're just going to be like, I really like this movie. And so that's that's why I'm going to go with that. For me, I like something a little more subtle as well. Like, I, I just think that a lot of times in multiple categories, it's just about the extremity i'm surprised tar is not in this like yeah that's I mean, that's true right <laughs> like, like like what come it, on again you never know with it the academy's nuts but uh i'm gonna go with banshees just because you know love that movie yeah and sure like i do think the subtleness of it does help kind of underscore the subtleness of that whole movie yeah. because it, it is that sort of rivalry between two friends but like telling a bigger story and and underscored by like something that's more subtle trying to kind of keep what's going on in the movie a little you know under the radar so for me i have no problem picking banshees of inisharan for my pick um original song you want to yeah so original song uh applause tell it like a woman um Hold My Hand, that's from Top Gun Maverick. Lift Me Up, uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Natu Natu, Triple R. Performing at the Oscars. And then uh, This Is a Life, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Do you think the Academy members are going to wish they could change their vote after the Natu Natu performance? No, I don't. (laughs) I think they're going to be like, why is this happening? Um... But <laughs> I mean that's my that that's my beloved that's my pick. Yeah, yeah, but okay, what's your academy pick though? Uh Lift Me Up from Black Panther. I think that's that's a decent pick. Rihanna, um you know, pregnant or not, you know, probably pregnant. Yeah. But I just think again, I think that that's the most populist one. Um these other songs are Hold My Hand is just terrible. Completely forgettable. It's a very bad song. Um I'm going actually for both picks. I'm going with uh, This Is a Life. If I could pick my own personal pick, it would be uh, Never Not on My Mind by Four Town. <laughs> Four Town. <yes. laughs> in, uh, in, uh, um, in Turning Red. That would be my pick, but it's not nominated. Okay. But, I, but I do think This Is a Life. So again, everything, this is my overarching theory. Everything Everywhere is beloved. Um, people love David Byrne. And they love like Mitski is just like this cool indie singer. So I think that like those are all working in its favor. Yeah. Um, if only if only um, I think it's called Glide. It's also a good song. I think it's called Glide, which is the Mitski cover they did for After Yang, mm-hmm. which is a cover song. But if only it were the oh, original. was it was that a cover song? It I is a cover. Yeah. I mean, it never would have been nominated, but I didn't know it was a cover. But it's so it good. is incredible. I, mean, I listen to it all the time. Yeah. That's so good and so integral to that film. Absolutely. Um, this After Yang podcast brought to you by A24. So you're going um, Lift Me Up. Your pick is Yeah, Natu, I think Natu. that's the most popular one. Natu Natu, I think, deserves to win. What an incredible song. Like, just just bombastic. And then the, the music number. Is yeah, so the, good. The, the musical number that accompanies yeah. this. They're just dancing at this so wedding. So much fun. Hilarious. Uh, um, this is a life is... 
is uh it's good i mean i, I like it so i mean i mean if you if you've seen everything everywhere at once or maybe you haven't and you're gonna watch it before the oscars this is the song that plays over the credits this is not uh, it's not important in the movie yeah. you know the only song that's important in everything everywhere all at once you know what it is um no this is the story of a girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's okay. it's a bare naked lady. Yeah. yeah, no, not the bare naked lady. Wait, no, this is um, my memory and brain is betraying me. I'm sure. So it's called absolutely story of a girl, and the, uh, the oh the story of a girl singer is nine. Yeah, nine days. Nine days. Okay, I don't know. Which isn't that also the name of Where that one movie with uh, from Winston, Winston Duke? Duke? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Winston Duke's as he beats. Okay, so next we're doing production design. Uh, nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, uh, Elvis, and The Fablemans. What are you thinking here for the Academy? For the Academy, I have Avatar The Way of Water. I think it's just, I mean, James Cameron. <laughs> Can't doubt Big Jim. Yeah, I mean, it, it truly is a, a spectacle to behold right it's like visually engaging um there's a lot going on there uh the original avatar was groundbreaking for like mm-hmm. real d 3d um this one not I, I think the the new technology of it um the high frame rate is uh, not, not even really a breakthrough for this film yeah not as impactful right as as the 2009 mm-hmm. version but also can't really be denied. There's there's a lot going on here in terms of production design. Sure. Um, and I think that that is is more flashy than everything on this list, other than maybe all quiet. That that might give it a run for its money. Sure. Because it's just a war movie. I mean, which also Avatar is as well. It's, it's true with uh you know a l- little bit more of an environmentalist tint but yeah i think that's just i think that's where the academy is gonna land in and i i don't think avatar walks away with nothing yep, so i, think I this agree is the category that they win other than you know maybe another category we're gonna talk about in a little bit but yeah so i think what you're attributing to production design is a lot about that category we're going to talk about in a little bit. I'm not convinced that that is true, but I, let me hear what you have to but say. But I do think that that's going to be on the minds of some voters uh, as they started voting today. Uh, I Avatar was definitely in consideration for me here. I, I'm thinking All Quiet on the Western Front is going to be the Academy yeah. pick. Yeah. Again, I just think that this movie is such a technical force and it is so clearly appreciated by so many branches of the academy that i do think that it's going to come away with a lot of the technical awards here and uh production design i think is going to go that way personally over avatar just because i do think that you know i'll just spoil what's coming ahead is i i do think that people are going to look at that and say that a lot of the production design there can be attributed to visual effects which would be a mistake I mean, sure, so and, I, and maybe I mean, it would I, be, but I, I, but no, I do I, think that that is an easy mistake for a lot of people who are not clued in. To, I, to, to I, make. I completely agree that yes, that is an easy mistake to make. It is an easy conflation to attribute to just visual effects. But if you think about production design, these these stages, these sets, 
that. Oh, absolutely. All this visual... The water tanks that they're filming in. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All of these visual effects, all of these all of these sets and stages and water tanks and et cetera mm-hmm. that, that had to be created for these visual effects to be overlaid on top of are all marks of like production design and competent and incredible incredible production design yeah no argument for me but i i do think that that's not something people consider when they look at a final product like avatar where you know like 50 percent, if you will of the characters are cgi the environments are probably 90 percent cgi yeah but the production design in that the production design is that is the person you know wearing the mocap suit on on that sound stage absolutely but again i think if you're you're talking to somebody that's not intimately involved in that part of the production they're looking at that and saying like this movie is like practically animated and you know, I again, like again, I'm not saying it's fair, but I do think that like for my for my money, like the film that's going to win this is going to be one that has more actual literal set design. I agree. I mean, literal is is uh is doing a lot of heavy lifting mm-hmm. in that sentence given that there is a lot of literal set design for something like Avatar. Sure. But the if you take Avatar compared to something like All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar is such a showcase of digital capability yep. that all quiet seems like a a, a play, like a, you know, a, a, like I agree. All the sets are built by hand. Everyone's wearing period accurate costumes that right. were sewn by seamstresses and all this. Here stuff. we are wearing fucking <laughs> skin tight suits with ping pong balls on yeah, them. Yeah, so and, everything seems yeah. everything seems so, so much more like uh, tactile. In, in something like all quiet as compared to to and again Avatar. I think that matters for voters. Yeah, well, god damn it, voters. Um, Avatar is it, I think is I I would agree with you. It's impressive. Are you picking Avatar as well for your production design? No, it's okay. of course Babylon. What are, you, what are you talking about? Come what are you talking on. about? Okay, li- hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Because Babylon love letter to cinema that it is is it (laughs) depicts several elements of filmmaking that are integral to the process of film production number one the best part of that movie is the the film set like the makeshift film set where they're filming like 10 different movies at once yes yes incredible that that first day for the first day on set for Diego Calvo's character where he goes to this movie studio ranch where they're doing a dozen productions at the same time um, including a war picture like a western Uh, and these are all silent films they're all taking place on the same day and it is just chaos and Mm -hmm. and all of those sets had to be Beautiful built. Beautiful chaos. All of those sets had to be built. All of those extras and actors and, you know, just much like they would have had to do back then, they recreated all of that for this shit. Yeah. Which is incredible production design. And then not only that, they also recreate later the first talkies, right? The first time where we recorded sound and picture in tandem. <laughs> and it is one of the most frustrating sequences ever recorded but also that's what filmmaking is now is like that that's what it is you 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 hit your mark you got to get the sound right all that shit right yep. and how frustrating although it's much is. easier now yes of course and the prevalence of, of digital filmmaking that and sucks dude <laughs> shut the fuck up <laughs> first of all everything in between 
the best parts of this absolutely are are total garbage or trite <laughs> yeah. or whatever. You remember that part when they tried to compare like the whole movie to uh, Singing in the Rain? Do you and, mean the, yeah. the best part of the yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember you remember how they were like, yeah, actually this this is Singing in the Rain, and like this is what was Singing in the Rain. It's like, yeah, no. no, no, no why no, would no, you no. compare yourself no, to no, one no, of no. the best movies ever? No, made? no, no. You're you're <laughs> you're completely misunderstanding. Piece this of film. trash film. You're completely misunderstanding. <laughs> they're not saying we are Singing in the Rain. They're they, saying they absolutely were saying we they are, are not singing no, in the rain. they are not saying we are singing the rain they're saying we inspired we, it <laughs> you know we walked in the rain so singing in the rain could sing like that's that's the idea i think it's Piece just like film. you know what i'm not sold on babylon as an entire picture <laughs> completely right but there's there are multiple elements of babylon that i just adore absolutely you know, I, um, I thought of myself as a Damien Chazelle defender until until I saw Babylon. <laughs> I you know, it doesn't matter. We that's a different podcast. Too. Um, my pick for this, and you know, this is I'm I'm almost embarrassed to say it, Elvis. I actually do think that of all of the problems Elvis has with directing, with editing, with uh, like just just the extremity of this film. I do think that they go a very long way to recreate very iconic moments in ways that feel very natural. And I, yeah, I, I think yeah, that is yeah. a difficult thing to do. Um, and I, I, again, like I, I don't, don't think it's enough. Into, I don't think it's enough to save the movie, but I totally, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But I, but I do think that you are creating the way they create like BB King's, um, like where, where he the is. Bar. Yeah. His, yeah. I, I think it's, it's really, impressive staging just in those subtler moments yeah there's a couple of times like that there, there's a bb king bar there's elvis's original performance you yep. know where uh the man died and elvis was born Absolutely. and then you have the trouble where he the the who's it the governor of whatever state is saying yeah. like you like, better not you better shake not your move, hips and then he's yeah, sh- you better he, not shank a, pi- yeah, a pinky yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> great and then and then when he's when he's trapped in vegas and is like you know colonel tom's a fucking alien that you know that is all yeah the, the set design is, yeah. is great there but but i do think that there is an extra element of challenge as well to recreate something that we all have sort of a collective understanding there, of. I mean, there's also like a literal cut from a, a moment where he's at, he's, you know, weeks away from dying, mm-hmm. uh, sweating on stage and, and heaving through his performance. And we cut from Austin Butler in Elvis prosthetics and makeup to actual live recorded footage of Elvis yeah, performing the song. Melody, yeah. And it is literally like, seamless like you know other than other uh, again, than that and that's and that's editing and that's that's that not, too, but not but just the editing part but i mean like the actual the production design, design of it yeah, yeah exactly sure. and i mean costumes and makeup and hairstyling in, in tandem yeah. with that but it literally you know everything is 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 recreated to Absolutely. get one sh- one shot and transition to perfect yeah yeah and and i do think that is such a challenge and not even just in that individual scene i think that there are is so much there's ample footage of elvis performing in these different environments that he is performing in within this film and to recreate like that iconic um sequence in in uh one of the performances he has in front of that giant elvis sign you know like the the letters with the with the lighting on them uh-huh. you know like that 
you're recreating exactly what was happening in real life. And I think that's not always the easiest thing to do because people are always comparing to the actual experience they had watching it or, you know, watching a replay of it or something like that. And I, I do think that that is uh, very impressive. So Elvis is actually, believe it or not, a, a film I didn't love. But, I, you know, I, I will readily admit that I've been Elvis pilled that like uh, after watching this, I've thought so much about it and, and appreciate it as a piece of high art, but not like as an enjoyable <laughs> film. Um, but so I do, that's I, a Babylon effect, baby. I do. I do think I'm I in the do just want to say before we move on real quick, because we're going to hit these categories. We're going to hit these next year real quick. Um, I do want to say this is a category that the Fablemans is nominated for. And I really, really wish I had more to say about the Fablemans. Like, I don't think it's a standout in this category at all. I think it's good though. I think yeah, I mean, no, it captures I mean, a, a past era fairly. The Fablemans well. itself as a movie is one of the best of the year. I agree. Um, but just in terms of production design, I don't think it's enough in this category. This is probably the wrong category for it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, there are a couple other ones that I would include it in, like and cinematography. That and that or, it's not included in those just kind of gives you an indication of where this film is going yeah it's a little bit awkward <laughs> it's a little bit awkward in where it's been placed here well let's hit these next two real quick because the next yeah, two are the we, shorts we're running on an hour and a half already which is you know impressive yeah. for us already we, but i mean so these are ones you've seen yeah. we're gonna do the short films animated and live action do you want to uh real quick run down animated uh the titles yeah sure i do also just want to say that this isn't this will be covered in our last episode of these two categories yep. so if you want to hear an in-depth uh, um, discussion about these uh, you can tune into the last one um, so yeah short film animated we have the boy the mole the fox and the horse the flying sailor ice merchants my year of dicks and an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it beautiful title yeah one of the best um, titles. I'm just going with what you told me last uh, last episode and I'm going with the boy the mole the fox and the horse as the uh, the favorite to win it. Yeah, I, I literally am just saying what I said last episode as well. That is my pick for the Academy. Um, this is a production uh, by the BBC in tandem with... Idris Elba's Apple, in it. Yes, in tandem with Apple TV. So Apple TV and the BBC. Powerhouses of this kind of filmmaking. Um, plus Idris Elba is the star power behind it. A couple other voice actors here. Oh, it's, a, it's a lovely film. Beautiful to look at. Not my favorite. My pick is My Year of Dicks. Uh, and again, if you want to hear more about it, please listen to our last episode. Yep. It's about a we woman. We did go in depth. Yeah, it is about a woman in the sort of an, an autobiographical film, uh, a woman in the peak of her adolescence trying to lose her virginity and her experience told in chapters among uh, sort of her teenage suitors and, and people that she were she was pursuing romantically. Wonderful short film. And animated incredibly, and mm -hmm. each chapter is animated differently, a different style. So just my my absolute pick. I hope it wins. I think it's a long shot. Uh, I think there's just too much going on for, for the other film we talked about, uh, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. Yep. Uh, okay, so short film, live action. We're talking about An Irish Goodbye, um, Ayavalu, uh, Le Pupil, uh, Night Ride and the Red Suitcase. Uh, I I went with again what you were talking about last uh, episode with uh, Le Pupil. Um, 
again, it's an Alfonso Cuaron produced thing. Yep. Alice Rohrbacher, um, mm-hmm. significant director. I think her um, last film, uh, ha- uh, Happy as Lazaro, I believe got an Oscar nomination in um, International. So we're ta- we're talking about. Um, pretty established figures yeah here. So those that, that two would be my pick. those two powerhouse of facts right the the alfonso corona production credit plus uh, alice warbacher directing her daughter starring uh and also it this is disney backed this is disney that this also is, helps this is available on disney plus right now to watch this is a production in in the italian language um a very whimsical and fun much like annie or like madeline uh, takes place in, a, in an orphanage around Christmas mm-hmm. time. Um, a lovely, lovely film. Also, my Academy pick, as Evan stated, like, you know, he's going off of what I told him last week on that episode. Uh, my pick, my what I would like to see win is The Red Suitcase. Um, that's one about a, a young Muslim girl who's been betrothed sort of against her will um, mm-hmm. and is not not uh, entirely sure about this life she's about to, she's going to, you know, she's supposed to take on um, – and she has just landed in an, in an airport from Iran and is trying to uh, evade her future husband and, and escape. A very tense, um, seventeen minute short film. Uh, very very powerful. All right, well let's try and quickly go through the next two before we get into the big categories here. Uh, so, sound is the next category. This is now a newly condensed. Between, uh, I think, sound mixing and yeah, sound editing, sound or something editing like that. and sound mixing. Yeah, uh, it's um, just sound. Um, sort of a travesty, in my opinion. But you know, I mean, they have to shorten the show, I guess. Categories you want to are sorry nominees. You want to list them off? Yeah, nominees for sound this year: All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar: The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, Top Gun Maverick. All Quiet's got this right. I think so. I think yeah. it's a lock. I yeah, think, I, I um, agree. This is a war movie. Uh, there is a ton of sound. There is a and ton of sound. You're not if you're not separating the the categories of sound mixing, which is more about you know the volume and the way the sounds are overlaid onto each other, mm-hmm. versus sound editing, which is you know when sounds uh, are cut in and out, just like scenes would be cut. You yep. know, um, if you're mashing those into one, I think. All quiets to lock here. I agree. Um, my personal pick actually would be Top Gun Maverick. I think that this is such a production of uh, real stunt work. Like you know, like there is just so much jet jets flying through and through and through, and like the way that that sound contributes to the feeling that you feel watching that film yeah as you're talking about this now i'm thinking of this of uh when maverick is like sort of proving the mission yeah when he hijacks the the mission and (laughs) like yeah it it really is an incredible work of sound and uh, again i think that it's kind of a cheat code to have like military grade jets to uh to do most of the sound work for you in your film but like again i think that this is uh for me like the most engrossing sound experience that i had at a, at a movie this year was it was in top gun maverick yeah i i agree um the sound in that one is is uh pretty impeccable um 
I just don't know if it's gonna. You pick the Batman. I w- so <laughs> the Batman I think should also be in the in the conversation for score. Um, I yeah, actually I agree with that. That's Michael Giacchino, who yeah. is an accomplished you know uh, sure. composer. But no, as more as, memorable score than some of the films that were nominated for sure. Yeah, uh, on the same level as Joker, I think. But um, good lord, <laughs> <laughs> Oscar-winning score, Joker, twenty nineteen. Uh, Who's uh, your personal pick? My my personal pick here is also all quiet. I that's think fair. I think that's a fair thing. Yeah, I I, I think there's just no contest in in terms. Yeah. I mean, so Top Gun, I really do think is is you know the sound is edited and mixed very nicely i just don't know that that it's the same as as all quiet um because even in you know the half of half of top gun is the missions and then half of top gun is this like cheesy romance with him and jennifer Connolly. yep which is fine i mean there's also like the beach volleyball or beach football or whatever the, there's not a lot going on there but all quiet on the Western Front, you have the war scenes, which are incredibly mixed and edited. It does take a lot of uh, and sound work. Even the, even in the the quiet scenes, I think the sound is doing a lot there. So I, that's my pick for both. Yeah. Well, let's get into the bigger categories here. Okay. So visual effects is next. Uh, I'm reading off these ones. Yeah, take it. Okay. All quiet on the Western Front. Avatar: The Way of Water. The Batman. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Top Gun, Maverick. I don't think there's much contest here with Avatar The Way of Water, right? No, zero contest. I I think it's pretty impossible for anything else to win. Absolutely zero. And I think that's my personal pick, too. Yeah, I'm the same. I I don't think that there's really much else to say. Like, this movie, we talked about it again in the production design, and I think you made great points about the production design that goes into this film. But I do think that the visual effects that go into this are stunning. And to make a movie that is so dependent on like virtual environments look so immersive is uh, is just masterful. Everyone who doubted James Cryman, right? The, the, the number one critique of this movie before it ever released was... 2009 Avatar was completely generic, right? A play on Fern Gully. Yes. Or Pocahontas or whatever, right? Like the, the, it's a, Pocahontas seems like the good analogy. Appropriating another story, right? It's just a, a generic story with generic characters, nothing we haven't seen before. But what was so groundbreaking about it was the visual effects. This was the, the premiere Which, if of, you watch now, are hideous. I mean, if you watch it now, you're not watching it in real D three D. It looks like you're, you're watching, you're watching it's Thor, it at, Love and Thunder. You're watching it at home on your little Disney Plus TCL TV. Fair enough. You're n- you don't have the glasses, okay? <laughs> I need the glasses. No doubt about it. We're we're both going Avatar visual effects. Oh yeah, the, there's yes. no way. All right, let's let's get into the bigger categories: uh, writing, adapted screenplay. You want to rattle off the cat- the nominees? Yeah, okay, so we have uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, of course, adapted from the original novel. Uh, Glass Onion, adapted from Knives Out. Uh, Living, I don't know where that comes from. It comes from Ikiru, uh, the Akira Kurosawa film. 
Wow. Okay. It does. I'm wow. No lie about that. I, this is a movie I've seen, and it is acknowledged in the credits both before and after the film. That isn't completely interesting. Um, I think this one is past its run, but uh, I would like Good to movie. watch it. Good film. Yeah. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, of course, adapted from the original Top Gun. And then Women Talking, I think, was a stage play. Is that no, correct? it was it was uh, it was a book. Oh, okay. So adapted a from a novel. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think All Quiet on the Western Front's winning this again. I I think it's just a matter of when you look at what gets nominated for Best Picture and what doesn't. All Quiet on the Western Front checks that box, and oh. I I think it's it's pretty unavoidable that this this is going to be the winner. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's adapted from, number one, a classic novel that I think, you know, uh, middle school or high school students are reading mm-hmm. in North America. Um, so my category pick is actually Glass Onion. I would love Glass Onion to win. That would be great. I am I, I am counting on, I guess, a dark horse here in the sense that this is the only – this is the only – only category Glass Onion is nominated for. Correct. And I think that there's a reason for that. And I think given the accessibility of this on Netflix and the beloved sort of uh, aura around the original Knives Out and Benoit Blanc and Nano Craig in this role. The desire to maybe give something to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Brian Johnson too. Like, like, I yeah. think, I think that – Glass Onion is the dark horse in this category. It's, it's I wouldn't doubt it. It's the ghost in plain sight. And I think to its credit, it is very, very wildly different than Knives Out. Like the tone of this film. It's also fucking funny. It is. And that's what I'm saying. Like the first one is funny, but not funny to the degree that this one is. And like the way that they get to the resolution you know what else it does? is so different from you know the what original. It, you, you know what else it does? It gives let's say you're the you're let's say you're an academy voter. Either you're a I don't know if working class is the right word, but you, you're someone that's like in the technical categories, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're a set builder, you're an editor, whatever. You're not talent. You see this film and like it is absolutely skewering the talent, skewering the financiers like skewering yep. these people who run Hollywood essentially skewering Elon Musk yes most of all. <laughs> absolutely yeah fuck fuck Elon Musk uh yes that that's who the target of this of the the satire here is so I think that that it is a powerful effect and then two also the people who are the talent are sort of the second hand yep satirized like what's being satirized here where Elon Musk is the number one thing that's like <laughs> being absolutely destroyed here I think so. There, there's a level. There's there's two levels here where like you think we're gonna get that deflect. similar effect where like you know Trump did an interview and said that like Citizen Kane was his favorite movie of all oh, time. God. And do you think we're gonna get the same effect where like Elon Musk five years from now is gonna be like I really love Glass Onion? Oh my god, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, that would I that did, would ruin it. I did see a montage recently of all the things Donald Trump said he's the best at, and it is numerous and hilarious. <laughs> But um, you have to send that to me. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think there's two levels that Glasson is operating on here. One, if you're like true blue collar in this industry, uh, it's absolutely destroying everyone that's above you and kind of your boss or whatever. Um, and then two, if you're the talent or you know someone at you know more white collar, it is giving you a target to deflect towards. Like, yep. 
oh, I'm not the worst one here. It's <laughs> yes. that guy. Fuck that guy. And everyone just kind of dogpiles on that. And I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that, that might be a little bit of something that gives us an edge in this category. It just, it, it's very clever writing. I do think, um, my personal pick is women talking. That's what I have too. That I, is what yeah, I have too. I, I think that women talking is really brilliantly. Again, I think Sarah Pauly is a great director, and I'm, I'm glad it got a Best Picture nomination. But I think the writing in the film too, like the dialogue in and of itself, is just we haven't okay we haven't hit this category yet. But Sarah Pauly absolutely deserves to be in the Best Director. I agree. Conversation. Yes. It is a travesty that she is not. I think the first year in a little in a few that there hasn't been a woman. This film is on par with something that I think when we talked about it originally, I mentioned Twelve Angry Men. A best picture nominee yes, in its own yes. right. I, I think that's a great comparison. For it is, inc- yeah, no, like as I was watching this, I was like, man, this is in the same exact conversation, the same exact. And, and sort it, of- it has the same flow of like, yeah, you know, yes. uh, ze- like everyone's zealously in their in their place, and then you know, just the sheer force of evidence and like persuasion, and philosophy, and compassion, everyone to the same side. And by halfway through the movie, everyone's on the same side. And then it becomes this movie about what do we, where do we go from here? Now that we've decided what we need to do, how do we move forward? And it, and it is such a narratively brilliant film. Uh, I really wish that this was something that was more widely seen and more widely appreciated because it, it really deserved to be nominated I, in many more categories than it was. I think as we go into into uh, later this year, it will have a more the, the accessibility will be increased. Um, the impact maybe, hopefully too. This is one that uh, I don't know if it's um, like a lack of uh, studio confidence, maybe, or whoever makes those sort of decisions. But there, there are always a couple movies each year that literally they get in right under the wire, right? Yeah. They they meet the criteria of a two week run in Los Angeles or New York and at a couple different theaters, uh, just to make this year's Oscars. And th- I think that's the case for Women Talking. Um, it was only available to us in Los Angeles. But and you also was- have to remember this is a movie called Women Talking, and like, again, as much as we talk about know, the diversification I mean, a- of the the Academy. I do think that there is a certain percentage and it's a significant percentage of the Academy that is hesitant to a, a movie that is very much about women. I mean, and, but if you're, I mean, if you're, if you're taking at face value, the Academy body as, as the sort of like end all be all of, of interest in a given film. Yeah, no, no. And, and I'm not, but I just mean in terms of this conversation we're having about the Oscars and like it's opportunity to like, reach beyond and and be nominated in these categories i i do think that that does matter yeah i'm not sure what's you know if if you're a if you're a studio um that is financed a film what is the optimal play for a given movie yeah but this one seems subject to that like last minute um you know under the wire entry in the sense that this literally only got a limited run in at least near us in LA 
Um, That's was, true. Was only playing at two theaters for two weeks, and we both I made it out in time to see it. But yeah, I saw this movie New Year's Eve. Like yeah. that is when I saw this film in theaters, and it was playing at like an eleven o'clock showtime, and not at all for the rest of the day. So, just yeah, one of those films that's like subject to whoever is in charge of that decision of when they're going to release it and and at what window and what runway. Um, so yeah, I think the lack of accessibility on this one uh, is hindering it. Um, but absolutely among uh, the conversation of like one Ec- of, excellent film. Yeah, best absolutely. of the be- one of the best of the years. Yeah. Uh, okay, writing original screenplay. We've got Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Triangle of Sadness. Um, what do you think the Academy is going to go for here? I've got one pick in this category, and it's Banshees. You think for both? I do. I think for both. I So, again, I think that's compelling because Banshees did get a lot of nominations. I really think Everything Everywhere All at Once is just going to be a, ju- a juggernaut in this award ceremony. And uh, so I'm going with that for my pick. Uh, I, for my personal taste, again, The Fablemans is my movie of the year. Fable, and uh, I think, again, f- I think, yes, the Banshees of Inisherin is a Fable brilliant Fableman. Fableman's is a dark horse in this category for sure. Yeah, I I think the Fableman's again as my favorite film of the year. This one, I think it's very intricate what this film is doing, and like it it is um, very very well written. Um, Tony Kushner has kind of unlocked in the last few years. Uh, you know, he he wasn't there for uh, Ready Player One. But you know he he was there for the other recent uh, and and you know well received Steven Spielberg films and for me like that matters. Um, I I again I I just think the Fablemans rocks, and part of that is the screenplay. And so for me, I I have to give it credit where it's due. This, I think this is this for me is the toughest category. Um, all of these movies are excellently written. Uh, man, I just again triangle of si- sadness. I think is too on the nose, but I mean, in some parts, yes, but also like there's a lot of subtlety in that one. Um, because I think for us at least, triangle of sadness, and in the discussions that we've had, the majority of what we talk about is sort of like the middle part, yep. the actual you know the the captain's dinner and what happens on the boat, best part. <laughs> exactly right i mean there, there's a lot there there's there's it's very a very rich text in that regard but also i think there's some subtleties that happen before they ever get on the boat with uh with sure. carl yeah. and yaya a- absolutely and then afterwards when they're marooned there's a lot going on there um trying to i think but i don't but again i think despite, it, it is despite it's despite not it, the best despite how forward the themes are in that one i still think it is excellently written um tar Probably the most underrated in this category. Brilliant screenplay. Incredible. Sure. Yes. Um, everything, everyone all at once. Again, the crowd favorite. Uh, I love this movie to death. Was my number two of the year. Um, I just think that uh, the Banshees of Sharon does more with less. If that makes sense. I agree. I think it's a brilliant screenplay. Like um, I, I think the way that the contrast 
is set between this friendship and literally the Irish Civil War is brilliant. But I I think a lot of that does come down to the camera work as well. Yeah, I mean, Um, and so the everything, everything, everywhere, all at once is in in, as in terms of like screenplay um, is a bit more flashy, right? There's a mm -hmm. lot, there's a lot more happening on each page. There's a lot of cuts that we talked about. Um, and flashbacks and flash forwards and, and flash sideways, I would say. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot going on. It's very kinetic, I would say, in terms – it's very kinetic on the page and on the screen. Banshee's Venus Sharon just does so much more with so much less. The stakes of the story are two guys aren't friends anymore. But the dialogue is so sharp and so communicative. I and not going to disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love this movie so much. I think Same. that it, I, maybe I'm putting too much faith in the Academy here, but this is my pick for both. Yeah. So like I said, my pick for the Academy is uh, everything everywhere all at once. My personal pick is the Fablemans. That, I mean, um, that might be right. Everything everywhere might be the easy pick. And but I think it's, I think that movie is just going to clean up is, is my perspective here. So, all right, let's get into the, the, the real big ones. Actor in a leading role, you want to rattle them off? Sure. Actor in a leading role, this year's nominees, Austin Butler, Elvis, Colin Farrell, The Banshees of Inna Sharon, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Paul Meskel, After Sun. Bill Nye living. Bill Nye is great and living. Um, he doesn't have much of a chance here, though. No, <laughs> not first at time all. Oscar nominee, and and we respect him. Really, for it. first time. That is surprising. I believe. I mean, we've that all seen parts. Everybody of in that category is a first time nominee. I don't believe that, that is wild. Brandon Fraser has been nominated. No, this is also. definitely Brandon Fraser's first nomination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, every, and everyone, then Austin Butler and Paul Muscle as well. I so, guess I thought Colin Farrell maybe had been up for something before, but uh, I guess not. Um, so I think we can discount. Oh, man, it's tough. So I after I think Sun is out. After Bill, Bill Nye and and Paul Mescal, I think have no chance. Yeah, right. They're the fourth and fifth man. So it's Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser. Uh, Austin Butler's been winning all the precursors, but then Brendan Fraser won the SAG Award, and the the Screen Actors Guild is the biggest contingent of the academy the biggest voting contingent so that really changes the the math but i really i i think that I, i'm going with austin butler as the winner here um is this goal com- is this your pick academy, academy? Okay. no fuck, fuck, of course not <laughs> um i i think he's fine as elvis like i think he portrays elvis in a in a pretty convincing way um Man, I'm for me personally, Colin Farrell and and Paul Mescal are just the the two that really are pulling at me, and I think Paul Mescal gives such a devastating, perfect performance in yeah. After Sun. In terms of the Academy Awards, I think it's not enough. I think no, I think no, it's too understated. Austin Butler, I think, is is gonna win, and I think the next like if I had to pick someone else. Behind them, behind him, it's a very, very, very close race between him and Brendan Fraser. Mm. So, so those are the two in it. But if it was me personally, Paul Mescal would win, and then Colin Fra- uh, Farrell is not too far behind for me. I love that. I love that. Uh, for myself, I think um, just like you mentioned, uh, 
Brennan won the SAG. There's been so much like runway towards towards this nomination. Yeah. Um, everyone who saw, I think this debuted at Cannes. Uh, the whale was it? Yeah, Cannes? maybe maybe it was or Berlin. Or Cannes or, yeah. or Bignale in Venice, I think. Yeah, it could be. Um, since this picture debuted, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. Everyone has been talking about a Brendan Fraser comeback. That this is this is his comeback. This is mm-hmm. his moment. He puts on this incredible performance, which he does. And he, and he won the SAG. Yeah, and the, I mean the whale. For whatever criticisms you want to lay against the picture itself, fine. But in terms of Brendan Fraser's performance, there's very little room there to say it's bad in a certain way or it's not enough in a certain way. He, he gives is it such a heart. Yeah. He is giving it his all. And he is so convincing. Uh, his portrayal of this this absolutely broken man. Um, he's drawing a lot, I think, on his own life and his sort of th- this Hollywood tale that he exists in. Yeah, and um, it's such a complex it's so, tale. Like, it, I, yeah, I and go that you know, far, but yes, he is. I mean, the people love the it, people it, love an underdog, and he is he is coming off the heels of this and really really knocks it out of the park. Uh, Brendan Fraser is my Academy pick. Um, I don't think I I don't think uh, anyone else in this category has had as much of a sort of last minute push up towards that top. Yeah. Um, I think in the beginning of the year, Austin Butler was the front runner. Everyone was talking about his transforming performance in Elvis, which it is. He's incredible as Elvis. Um, but I think just now sneaking in under the wire, I think we're going to get Brendan Fraser as the Oscar pick. Um, I, I buy it. You know, I think that Austin this, Butler, it's, it's truly the Cinderella story. <laughs> That's fair. I, I think Austin Butler, the Russell Crowe and Cinderella man, so many of the precursors up until this point. And then on top of that, you just have to remember that like in acting categories, Every year, it it even when you think there were better performances, which every year okay, there are so better you're, performances. You're, you're just okay. You're just sour about Joker, first of all, but also no. I, you know, I don't give a shit about that, and that's obviously a different <laughs> I thing. I mean, the, who did you think was going to win when Joaquin Phoenix took it? Uh, I I actually don't even remember who yeah, else was nominated. I'm sure, but like when you look at the, these categories and the acting categories every year, it's always a you know uh biopic it's always a performance emulating a famous i guess that's true that yeah. that gets recognition so i think that's why i'm yes. i'm putting elvis as something yeah arthur but fleck as far as what we want to get nominated are we on the same page paul mescal is giving the best performance i i love the paul, year? i love paul mescal's performance after sun number one of the year for me i think his performance is just a little bit too understated i think I think that I think the understated is what makes it brilliant. No, I agree with you in that sense that that I all think of what the he's parts trying to hide from his daughter is what makes it brilliant. Oh, like, I mean, yes, but all of all of the perfect. part all every single piece of that movie is working in tandem as like this formidable machine of, course. of emotion and completely devastating my favorite film of the year. If you have not seen After Sun, please watch it. Um Yes, absolutely heartbreaking. But what Charlotte Wells is doing with the camera and the staging 
course. And and the editing and it didn't get any recognition. And the flashbacks, elsewhere. right? Yeah. Like there there's a lot going on there that enhances his performance, which is incredible. You know, I I love that he got this nomination at all. That is such a deserving like recognition of what he put forward in this film. But I think there's a lot of pieces around him that are enhancing that. Like I'm thinking of the moment um, where the film is literally split by the wall between the bathroom and the main part of their bedroom where mm-hmm. she's just sitting there reading a book, you know, talking about what she's reading. And he's asking her like, oh, like, you know, tell me about what you're reading. And as she's telling him, she's just sitting with her legs crossed reading this book. And she's cast in this absolutely beautiful, loving, warm light. And on the other side of the wall, the split frame, he is in the bathroom casting this blue, cold, emotionally devoid glow, head cradled in his hands. Yep. Probably crying, not I visible, mean, I'm but like of that scene where he's literally crying and he when he's like, you know, on the edge of the bed and just but so that's emotionally it. overcome and I, I, I think I mean, that that's, itself that, is such a brilliant that sequ- that sequence performance. That sequence, yes, he he is giving a physical and an emotional performance, but it is so short. It's it's less than fifteen seconds easily. It, it is, but yeah. it is brilliant. Much more much more devastating and engaged in terms of performance as an actor is even when he's just d- debating with his daughter whether or not he's going to do karaoke with her. I, that's what I was going to say. I, I you can go into even the more subtle moments where he doesn't want to do karaoke and I think that's like, one of the most overt moments of his performance, though. No, whether, but but I do think the, it's a small scene where he's the subtleties. Just like, I think are more even just like in his physicality when he's sort of drunkenly trudging along the beach into the endless ocean right like he's like sure and that maybe even be a dream sequence in but, the but film, i even but... think in that in that karaoke scene when he's just like i won't do it like i won't do it is, is something that's like so small but so impactful for the meaning of that film and it is so contingent on him being able to portray not that he doesn't want to let his daughter down but that he doesn't feel comfortable in his own skin in that way and like i i think it's yeah it's so much more like painful for him to have to be like subject to what he perceives as ridicule yeah than it is to reject his daughter in that moment yes. which is just a oh my man. god yes. it is it's, so it's, oh for me is... i think best performance of the year and yeah. so who, who would you be be your pick colin for? farrell is yeah, what Ken, i have colin as my, my pick that's, yeah that's fair i mean i think paul muscal or paul muscal is like i love that movie and his performance i give the edge here to colin farrell because i think the the surrounding pieces of charlotte wells after sun are are sort of propping him up in a way that enables him to give this incredible, incredible performance. Yeah. But I think that it's it's more about the sum of its parts than just his performance alone. Of Where course. like what what Colin Farrell is doing in Banshees of Inner Sharon is so much on his own back. And I think this is a bit and it's, of a, it's such a whipsaw of a performance. You know, he a, has to he has to do so much in it. Yeah, I mean, and this is a bit of a flourish from from director Mark McDonough in the sense where you know your actors, right? Like you, yeah, in the sense that he had to direct an actor that wasn't Sam Rockwell, and he he <laughs> he, he had to create a character that wasn't okay. a redemptive a little, racist. Little bitterness coming out here, but <laughs> but no, but I mean, like you know. This, some people think of, of, of like the best directors as as directing, as giving your actors their direction and telling mm-hmm. them this is the performance I need to get out of you. 
this is what you're gonna do for me this is how you fucking do it right he told colin farrell you've got eyebrows use them exactly which is and it feels more i mean no i i don't know exactly what happened on set but like this feels more like martin mcdonough gave him a direction and was like this is what i'm trying to go for you know here's what's on the page show me got and sat back and gave them so so much space and they took it yeah there there is one of the best back and forth um which there are many of this in this movie between various characters but one of the best and earliest is when you you first come to realize what the what the conflict is where one guy just doesn't want to be friends anymore and the other guy doesn't understand so they go outside to have a conversation about it and there's there's this this sort of tennis match of a conversation where he's like uh, you know if i did something to you just tell me or if i said something when i was drunk just tell me and uh, yeah. i'm sorry and and then his friend's like look i you didn't say anything to me you didn't do anything to me i just don't like you anymore and then there's a long pause where he's like you see on Colin Farrell's face this realization of like I don't understand yeah you liked me yesterday and then I did <laughs> he's like did no well not even that he's like or did I did yeah. I yeah did I now and then he's like well I I thought you did and then Brandon Gleason doesn't say anything takes a drag of a cigarette and then a drink of beer finishes finishes the beer mm-hmm after grimacing, you see the you see the the intonation on his face of <laughs> yes. just like this grimace of like, "Are you stupid?" But doesn't say that. He's just like almost pitying Colin Farrell, and then you know takes a drag of a cigarette and and finishes his beer. Yeah, and it just there's there's so much uh, subtlety in their performances that I think not only is is what's on display there is the skill of the actors but the skill of director to not interfere and when to give direction and when not the beauty of that performance too is that colin farrell is at once acting as like a comedic dope for the audience like being able to to like be a source of humor but also being an audience stand-in at the same time that like that he can do both at the same time is so impressive yeah and so uh brilliant yeah and he he, and his performance is is at once like completely understandable and also tragic like you're looking at this guy who's has a pretty simple life and he's content with that right he's never done wrong also there's also so much more in the world that he doesn't understand and that's not his fault you know like he he is a simple-minded person and that and he had he like exists in the world he does and that's great well what a film so i think these next two we've got we've got four more to do i think the next two should be pretty quick here uh actor in a supporting role brendan gleason banshees of Inner sharon we just talked about him brian tyree henry and causeway i don't know if you've seen that i haven't but he's, I've heard he's great in it good. he's yeah, great I mean, in brian it tyree henry yeah judd hirsch in a very brief role in the fablemans Barry Keegan. Excellent scene. So, so good in The Banshees of Inisherin. Kihei Kwan, everything, everywhere, all at once. Kihei Kwan both gives the best performance of the year, I think, in any acting category, and also is a lock to win this That's category. That's interesting. That's interesting. I agree. I agree. Kihei Kwan is my Academy pick. Barry he, Keegan is my personal really, pick. Really? I really think Kihei Kwan is 
doing something in everything everywhere all at once uh, so again i think everything everywhere all at once is when again this is not a movie that was i don't even think in my top five like i think it was like my sixth favorite movie of the year or something like that movie i really liked but i do think kihei kwan was bringing to this ridiculousness a grounded element that really pulled me into the film i mean that, like what he was trying to recover was something real in in terms of this movie that was going into these chaotic directions he kind of does both he's because he I mean, does yeah and he's he's and that's like beautiful he does two performances he's really silly you know yeah in terms of evelyn's husband and then he also does... i think he's grounded in evelyn's husband and i think he's silly in alpha uh waymond really i do i think that like he's diving into the multiverse and the silliness of it as alpha waymond but i think that like well the, i mean he's the husband that's looking for a divorce that is also the one that wants to bake cookies for the irs agent <laughs> and that is able to talk yeah, her out of repossessing yeah. like i think the the difficulty that he faced in doing this especially as his first role back in many many years like i i I, it to me i think he's gonna win going away i love that moment where he's like was i raccoon wayman again and then she's like raccoon wayman is dead (laughs) (laughs) he's he's so good in this i i i have no doubt i i honestly believe that that's the academy pick i love his performance in the movie Absolutely, I think it's the best performance. One of my one movie. of my favorites of the year for yeah. sure. I just you know as as powerful as his he has sort of two monologues, one where he's talking about how everyone's fighting and he doesn't understand why, and then another one later where he's like you know oh you think you're the fighter like because you know how to fight like with your fists and this, but he's like this is how I fight like I just look for the best in people and and try to do what's what's right. Uh, and I would have loved to have just been to just have led a simple life with you yeah. in, in laundry and taxes so or whatever, good. right? Yeah. Incredible, incredible. But for me, even more emotional than that is one scene with Barry Kewen talking to Carrie Condon where he's like, you know asking her out on a date. <laughs> more than that, obviously. He's not only asking her out asking her a, to save his life, basically. Yes. Which is the subtext, but also like He's basically asking her if he's worthy of love, right? Because he, like, Bear Keown in the film is is uh, a young man who lives with an abusive father who's a cop. Uh, yep. All cops are bastards. Um, who yeah. beats him, True. right? He his his father beats him. He's a grown he's a grown man, and his father beats him and treats him like a like a child, um, and abuses him. is is an abusive person, uh, and everyone on the island. Um, that he lives on on Inner Sharon uh, thinks of him as as a fool, a dunce, yeah, yeah. completely uh, slow, um, uh, the the village idiot, um, and so everywhere he looks, he faces ridicule or rejection, uh, and he's seeking sort of you know companionship and like comfort and. He talks about women in 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 a vile way. And he is good-hearted in a way too, though. You know. Yes. Yeah. The, you can absolutely see a sympathetic sympathetic lens for this character, but he also is just like sort of putting his own foot in his mouth at every turn. True. But there is one moment that we get with him where he approaches Siobhan, Carrie Condon's character in the most earnest way, 
and asks her if she could ever picture herself falling in love with a guy like him, which is in one way, yes, directly asking her, like, are you romantically interested in me? Would you ever be romantically interested in me? But also on a, on a, on a subtextual uh, level course, saying, am I, do you think I'm worthy of love? And her hearing it like on trying on, to let him down simple but yeah like, she's trying yeah. to she is being as and lovely she's in it too, and yes. nice as possible and letting him down easy and she you can see the heartbreak in her own eyes like that she has to tell this person no like yep. I, I you know you're not the person for me but and and doesn't necessarily go so far as to say like you are worthy of love or anything like that and this is of course no fault of her own she doesn't know what he's thinking at this moment, like doesn't understand yeah. his internal state. But this is a person at, at the end of his rope, literally uh, like reaching out one last time and, and being rejected. And then he, of course, is is one of the deaths on Inna Sharon um, by his own hand. So like this one scene is so pivotal. But he's so good in the rest of the movie. Too. I mean, yeah, he's yeah, incredible. He's, he's, he's hilarious yeah, in yeah. every scene he's in. And, and I don't think we're too far apart in in terms of what we're thinking like i imagine that kihei kwan is your next pick mm-hmm. and and barry keegan is my next pick Absolutely, so like yeah. we're, we're right in there with it um again this is more this is more of a does does more with less kind of thing for me where sure. you know everything everywhere all at once i love that movie it is incredibly impactful and emotional um, but there's just a lot more going on in terms of like flashiness and and spectacle. Yep. Than something like that's that's uh, you of know course. takes place on a remote island. But we agree, Kihei Kwan's gonna win. I think so. Yeah. yeah I, I think I, I think, I think it's that's no basically doubt. a lock. I yeah. think that's the biggest lock of the season. Uh, actress in a leading role, we've got Kate Blanchett in Tar, Anna de Armas in Blonde, which I, I had forgotten about until like yesterday. Uh, Andre Riseborough and to Leslie, Michelle Williams and the Fablemans, Michelle Yeoh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, this is one I thought would be easy as well because I think Michelle Yeoh is going to win and I think she deserves to win. I think, yes, I think Michelle Yeoh um, is the Academy pick for me as well. Uh, my my pick, I would give it to Kate Blanchett. I think Kate Blanchett is brilliant in, the, in Tar, like, just rewatched hard not too long ago. Is. She is so good, yeah. and it's such a prickly role. Yes, yeah. um, but I I do really think again, like Michelle Yeoh. I think all the performances and everything, everywhere, all at once, that are all doing something to bring a movie that is so out there, down to earth, and make it feel relatable. And that yeah. is so dependent on the performances that those those uh, performers are giving. I think, but I think there's a little bit more room to be like wacky. Which is a necessity of the yeah, screenplay. Michelle Yeoh, it it does give an incredible performance of this. Not only is she playing like eighteen different characters, sure. you know, throughout the thing, but also and then all of them at once. Yes, and that's and I mean, that's but where that, I mean, together. that's more editing, right? Than yeah. than actual like performance. But no, but I think it is. I think it, it. She has to play a different character at the beginning of that movie. Yeah, but let's say let's say in the middle, you know, and then at the end. Let's say know, let's she, say you're talking about even just ninety days of principal photography. You're giving one performance on day ten, another performance on day twenty five, sure. another performance on day eighty seven. Those performances are disconnected from each other in the sense that like you can really figure out like okay, I this is what I need to do today. Let me get into this mindset. Here's how I'm going to encapsulate this role. Okay. And you have all this time and, and preparation that you can put into that. No, I'm not saying that her performance is not worthy of the best actress 
award and not, and well beyond the the worthiness of a nomination. But I'm saying the power of editing puts all those performances together, and especially sure. in the sense that you know in everything, every wall at once, you're seeing a lot of different you know timelines happening concurrently. Yeah, it's right? a lot of different performances. Yeah. So the cut the, together, the performance sure. is enhanced by the editing, even if all the performances are great. Um, Kate Blanchett, brilliant. Yes, incredible. Yes, as well. Like just, uh, you sort of like love to hear. You get lost in this character that like, like believes everything. It's the same. It's the same. Yeah. I can totally like it. It gives me this perspective. Like I can totally understand cults of personality where like someone like Lydia Tars seems but like she's lost in her own cult of personality. Exactly. Yes. Is insane. It seems and like it. She you believe why she is. She seems like so much larger than life, and you can tell that it's because. She has crafted and she's such a meticulous person in terms of like her conducting her ability and like that that completely translates to how she is, has as a meticulously like managed her public perception. Yes. There's a, there's a moment where she talks. She's doing this interview with uh, almost um, the, this guy who reminds me of, of uh, the guy who, who's in the beginning of Moonrise um, Kingdom, the the one who's like talking about the weather. Um, oh, Bob Balaban. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's doing this interview with this guy who reminds me so much of Bob yeah, Balaban. Yeah, yeah. But then the, you can just see how she even the way she just like commanding yeah, this interview. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She is conducting the yeah, interview. Like, yeah, even yeah. though she's being asked the questions. She's, yeah. Uh, yeah. She's, she's so good. And I, I love really that. just, I love Michelle that. Just one of the most fitting endings of all time, just to go from, you know, doing these really concertos to like doing an anime concert. And she, she just has to suck it up and oh, interview yeah. with the people. Oh, yeah, man. it's, it's crazy. Love it. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, I think, is going to win though. Um, all right. Last acting category, actress in a supporting role. Do you want to list off the nominees? Do you have them pulled up or do you want me to do I it? I do it. I do. I do. Okay. So we have Angela Bassett in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow in The Whale. Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Innes Sharon, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, Stephanie Hsu, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay, so this one's tough because Jamie Lee Curtis just won the SAG Award. Um, no way, dude. She did. She really did. Um, every precursor award before that was Angela Bassett, and I really do think that Angela Bassett's going to win. Like, I, I do think that she is going to be the Academy pick. Um, I do and I think she's just very well respected by the Academy and I think the performance she gives in Black Panther is good I mean if we're giving her an, if we're giving her an award for this one we should give her one for uh, the Suicide Squad also Jesus Christ <laughs> um, because that Wakanda Forever is not a bad movie and there's, I think she's good in it though I mean there is a lot of emotionality yeah. in her performance and you know the loss of Chadwick Boseman I don't think she's the best you can see like, her channeling that of the year you know you can see her channeling that you can see her channeling you know the, the even just you know Queen Ramonda from the first movie who was an isolationist um, and did not trust Indijaka yep. like you can see all that coming through I just don't yeah. I don't know man Maybe it's Marvel bias. Maybe I'm I'm someone who's like, ah, it's a Marvel performance. Who cares? Yeah. I don't I don't know if that she deserves this one. I I agree, but I do think she's gonna win. Who's your Academy pick though? I don't know. I it might so. 
I'm I have no idea. I'm I think there's good. two picks you can go with, and it's Angela Bassett or Jamie Lee Curtis. I think are the only two. Which is tragic. Honestly. Potential yeah. winners here. That's kind of tragic. Carrie Condon is maybe uh, my ca- I, my so my academy pick before we got into this I think was Stephanie Shu, but I don't know if that's gonna not happen. a pos- not not even yeah. remotely. I so I think that uh, Stephanie Shu and um, Jamie Lee Curtis are gonna split votes, and that's why it's gonna go to Angela Bassett. Um, mm. My uh, who's but who who would you pick? If I could pick, I would pick Stephanie Shu. Honestly, I, Stephanie Shu is my my pick yeah. like for best performance i, I would in like the category i mean i would like to give just a just a, a shout out and like a nod of recognition to hong chow though in the whale she's I, really good i think she's fine i mean so but not only her performance in the whale this year but also her performance in the menu the menu i think she's brilliant in the yeah. menu but i, so I think like, she's fine in but the no whale. i think she's really good in the whale too um and so it's it's just really cool to see her even get recognition for either of those roles. So I'm I'm really glad that she's in this. But Stephanie Shu is the oh. driving force behind everything, God everywhere all at yeah. once. And Absolutely, I, I think it's, it's tragic so... that that Jamie Lee Curtis. I like again, I I like Jamie Lee Curtis. I think Jamie Lee Curtis is a very entertaining actress. I think she's a fun enough like presence on screen. Yeah, but her role but, in this is so much less than. But Stephanie Shu is part of what she's practically a lead she's part of what makes this movie brilliant. yeah it, w- it would be it would be really sad if jamie lee curtis takes away this num or t- walks away this award when you know her contribution to the film is about a third of what stephanie's yeah, agreed, is agreed not that i mean not to take anything away from her her role in the movie is very fun um integral integral even given the scenes agreed. that she's in and like the character that she plays but you know, the importance of this movie hinges on the relationship between on her and Jobu, right? Yeah. Like, and 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 Stephanie is Jobu Tapaki, like she is the the antagonist, and also she's Jobu Tapaki, but she's also Joy. Yeah, know? exactly. She, yes, she, she pulls both of those off. Yeah, absolutely. And th- there's just so much like that she brings to the role in terms mm-hmm. of like humor and physicality, and just like it's so much fun watching her click between dimensions and yep. And show up when she needs to, and just like. So, did you uh, ever say who your academy pick was? Yeah, uh, I have. Um, oh, uh, I have. I actually have Carrie Condon as my. I think that's a that's pick. a definitely reasonable pick. All yeah. right, um, we're running here, so let's let's do best picture. This is it. All quiet this on the Western it. Front. Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking. What's going to win, Zach? Babylon. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Babylon. No, I th- I think I have here everything everywhere all at once. I, I think it's almost undoubtable at this point that everything everywhere is all at once is going to win. Um, triple R, triple R, not nominated. Unfortunately, I'm Vengeance. sorry, guys. I'm sorry, film Twitter. Um, so yeah, like we can get into everything everywhere all at once after it wins because it almost certainly will. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think it's th- won every it's precursor. Been, yeah, there's there's just been so much runway into this. It's been like the surprise film of the year. 
Um, and then, you know, it's just ridden that hype train. And it's funny because, you picture. know, you go back to April of last year. If you told someone that like this film, that everything, every wall at once was going to be an Oscar nominee, they would tell you like, you're fucking crazy. I think that's true until they saw it. Right. Cause it, it, this released in April of last year, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Sure, but, but I think even back then you, you would watch that movie and see this movie is like crazy. And like the, like the dimensions it's working on is not a typical oscar movie if you, you would had, be like this is a movie that people are gonna love but it's not gonna be a movie that's not if you're ta- if oscar. you're saying in if you're saying in march i would i would agree with you when the if, movie was first released yeah I okay think that, so that would op- be the case. opening weekend right let's say this sure. opening weekend you go and you watch the movie opening weekend you'd be like critically acclaimed but people are gonna forget this movie right I don't think I'm but, saying that at all. Or, or even just like this, this, this is an excellent movie, but maybe not Oscar contendent, yes. Oscar contention, right? Yeah, absolutely. Week two, three, four, five. I think you have no, you have no ability to say this isn't something that, th- like, this I mean, is a phenomenon, right? Uh, sure, sure, but like you know, Iron Man was a phenomenon, and like all of these like Marvel movies every year that make a bunch of money and like get you know. But, but uh, again, so something like this the, this doesn't feel that different to me than that but then you know now we look at it today and you say like this movie's gonna win best picture and people are like yeah yeah no that makes sense and like i do think that the journey it's come on from that first day until now is really staggering and i'm like i'm glad because i do think it's good when good movies that are trying something different get the recognition and get the awards that they deserve but I really do think that even a month after this movie got released in theaters, even given the critical acclaim, even given the pop- popular acclaim, like this did nev- never to me seem like a movie that was like, oh yeah, the Academy is going to go bonkers over this. That's pretty crazy to me, actually. I mean, so I I was an early adopter of this film, right? Sure. I saw I saw this movie opening weekend. And then I went back and saw it like two days later. And then I was like adamant about making other people watch it. I saw this movie four times in theaters. I think six, I've seen it three times in theaters. Six times over the entire year. Um, and I watched it like on New Year's Day. Like th- this is mm-hmm. a movie that's very near and dear to my heart. I, I wouldn't necessarily have said that like, oh, this is a this is a contender for best picture. But certainly for, you know, at least one or two of these categories. Sure. Like this, is, this was a phenomenon and you compared it to Iron Man but I think the landscape of, of filmmaking today is just so much different in which absolutely Marvel films and, and, and not even just Marvel but like superhero films right are so stale yeah. now being a blockbuster that can you know counter program those means a lot too I mean it is drawing influences from that as well but yes sure. it, it is definitely it sets itself apart in it's uh, pacing it's fight choreography it's story every like there it is doing a lot more than just like the standard like oh multiverse superhero story that that we've seen yeah no doubt about that yeah and so you know if you had said after after that initial like release weekend that like hey this is a this is something that's like special like there's something happening here i don't think that's too crazy if you had if you had said, you know, it's if, gonna if win you, best picture. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yes. And and now if you say it's it's gonna win best picture, people are like, Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. That that tracks. People are like, What I mean, what else would win, right? Like yeah. Well, so what else would win? Uh, and that's a good segue into what your personal pick 
would be. I mean, for... this is my. It's all. It's the same. It's my my personal pick is everything everywhere all at once. That's too. fair. I have to go with my top rated film of the year, The Fablemans. Um, you know what we didn't do? We didn't do directing. <laughs> um, which I only bring up because The Fablemans is is Spielberg. Uh, yeah. So McDonough, The Daniels, um, for everything everywhere all at once, um. Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans, Todd, uh, Todd Field for Tar, Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness. Um, that category, I actually do think Steven Spielberg's going to win just because I think Steven Spielberg is one of those guys that's like highly respected and doesn't have as many Oscars as people think he I mean, should. This is a tough one, I think. I mean, this category is pretty stacked. Um, I mean, all of all of these directors produced or you know directed incredible films this year mm-hmm. uh, i think ruben Olsen may be the bottom of the pack here i really think he was like doing the most obvious thing with his film and and i, I think it's like a little Oslin i mean a, that's a little ungenerous a i feel like but i don't know i i like him as a director but i i think in this film he is being very on the nose in a way that didn't work for me um even acknowledging i didn't like that film but i think the directing of it is also like aside from even if it was a film that I liked or even regardless of that, I think I don't think the directing is anything special. I think I, I so for me, my Academy pick here is the Daniels. I think everything ever all at once is going to take this as well. Much I like, think it should. Much that's, like Parasite, like pick. Parasite 2019, Bong mm-hmm. Joon-ho got director, he got best picture. Yep. Um, I think that's the same thing is going to happen here. Um, I would my my personal pick is McDonough for Banshees, but I would also love to see a Spielberg win. Yeah. Um, it's really close. It is incredibly I think the Academy close. wants to see a Spielberg win. Because Spielberg, I, I mean, Spielberg, an incredible director, you know, yeah. it just, his slate of films is unmatched. Um, and The Fablemans, my, like, number three of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, an incredible film and incredibly directed and just, there's so much going on behind the camera and the way he places it that it is. I don't know if anyone, if anyone even is on the same level as that, right? Uh, which, but my thing is that I don't know that anyone really recognizes that as well, other than maybe like other directors or like film, you know, film lovers. I mean, not that I, I don't trust the general voting body of the Academy, given who have. Who has like won various categories over the years, right? Of right, course. and so I don't know that. I I think people think of Spielberg as like in his twilight years, and he's beyond another win. Um, but I think that he's also viewed as maybe like one of the premier directors of all time, and deserving of joining the ranks of like William Wyler and. Frank Capra and like the, uh, John Ford and like the the directors that have won more than two directing awards and he he's won twice in the directing category and I do I do think that like he might be one of those guys that the Academy views as mm. like deserving of joining that rarefied air and that they might view as someone that might not get the opportunity to to win these things um this does feel like you know and and that's where i'm going with that but i do actually personally i think the daniels do such a like that is not an easy source material like that they've created right to wrangle into both this wildly funny and entertaining film but also this emotional piece and and i do think that that is the best piece of directing this year but i but i personally think that 
the Academy is going to go in the direction of Spielberg just for the reason of like feeling like this is someone that deserves to have that additional Oscar, you know? I could see that. I mean, and I would not, I, I wouldn't, other than maybe Ruben Olsen, because I, I, I think he's at the bottom of this category, and even though he directed an, an excellent film, um, okay. I would I would see anyone win here and be like, yeah. okay, they deserved it for sure. Uh, Spielberg, you know, um, McDonough, even Todd Field, the directing Such in Tar is brilliant. Like, yeah, it is. It's it's excellent. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I think the the nominees this year were generally pretty good. Um, any last thoughts on the Oscars? No, I mean, I guess we'll see who who's right and uh, what you know what the Academy has in store for us in their infinite wisdom on on March twelfth. Um, please submit your ballots when they're open. No, we'll have that by the time this episode posts. I can guarantee that. Okay, yeah. Uh, check us out on spinningthereel.com, R-E-E-L, uh, and follow me on Letterboxd at painted underscore dog. Yeah, I'm at Evan D 26 And with that, Zach, any final words? Uh, we'll see you next time. We miss you, Cody. <laughs>